Planet Fantasy. I am your host, Kyle, and joined as always by by Damon. How you doing, man? Good, good. How are you, man? I'm pretty good. It's been a, it's been a long weekend, but I'm excited for tonight, dude. This is going to be a, a meaty episode, I think. Oh, this is possibly going to be my most anticipated episode we ever do um, <laughs> until we do its sequel, the ultimate sci-fi movie. Draft. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, that being said, um, tonight we are doing. Uh, you know, this is a bit of a, a spiritual sequel to our, our sitcom draft. Um, this is going to get a lot deeper, though. I think we're doing. Um, basically, we're pitching the ultimate sci-fi series. Um, so Damon and I are going to be kind of going back and forth. We have six uh, main cast members. We're going to be casting, and then really just kind of diving into plot. Pretty much pitching like our first season of this show. Um, talking about like what's influencing us. Uh, we're both big sci-fi fans, if that's not already obvious. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's, it's I'm, I'm excited, man. So I'm just ready to kick things off. So we have a list game, as always. Um, what's our list game this week, Damon? Okay, so this list game, we're going to go pretty simple. And maybe we'll be able to go kind of far, you know. So we're going to be doing the ABCs of sci-fi TV shows. Right. Um, Which is a pretty broad category. So, yeah, it, it'll probably go pretty far. Very broad. And I mean, if you have a problem with any of them that I say, just, you know, call it out and we'll discuss and I'll tell you why you're wrong. (laughs) Vice versa. Um, So did you want to start us off with A? Sure. Um, Okay, let's see. Let's go with Almost Human. All right, that's a good one. I'm going to go with Battlestar Galactica. Classic um continuum oh okay okay devs good show um e the expanse that's that's i have to start that one everyone keeps telling me to such a good show um fringe i love you that's my favorite (laughs) i don't know if i can think of another one off the top of my head so i had to go with that one um Oh. Oh, five seconds. Three. Two. Holy crap. One. Oh my gosh. That's the biggest, that's a, the, biggest is joke a getting out at a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's got to hurt. Um, you know, I'm trying to think all I can think of right now is Gundam Wing, you know, which I, I would have counted for sure. Too. G.I. Um, Joe, I guess. G.I. Joe. Yeah, I would have counted that as sci I mean, it, I think I would have let that one pass, you know. Let's let's yeah. let's check the internet and see what we could have gone with instead. <laughs> um sure people are just screaming at their at their phones right now. <laughs> like, come on, G. Um, <laughs> oh god, there's like um Gemini Man. That's a really old one. Oh yeah. The girl I've only from ever seen the movie. Gulliver's Travels was oh a mini series. Goodness. No, uh, this, this list G.I. Joe, so we definitely would have done taking G.I. Joe. Uh oh, Ghostbusters, the animated series. Yes. Very underrated. Very. Uh of course, all the Gundams. And there's not that many though. Other than that, there was like Giver, which I have kind of heard. It's another, I think, anime. 
So I can't blame you. I, I could have maybe gone out, but you know, that's, that's so just sad because the other letters I can think of so many, but that one I was just like, wow, that's completely blank. <laughs> well, you know, for your troubles of losing, we're going to let you go first. Uh, oh, that's so kind. So, so I can have two in a row because uh, that's <laughs> for my show. So uh, start us off on the ultimate sci-fi show draft. Okay. Um, so this is going to be an interesting episode. We're going to kind of go back and forth. Uh, Damon and I kind of discussed, you know, this is really going to be largely conversation-based, um, even more than our other episodes. Uh, yes. We're giving a basic outline of our shows, but really it's just going to be kind of us asking about each other's shows, like the vibe and, you know, what we drew inspiration from. Um, so I'm just going to run down just a really basic plot for my uh, my first season before I really get into, like, cast members. Um, well, real quick, Kyle, actually... Um, what I want to know first is your showrunner. Oh, good. Good call. Um, great call. Okay, so... Yeah, I mean, I I love... I mean, sci-fi might be my favorite television television genre. Um, I know this is Planet Fantasy, but like I said, I'm a huge fan of Fringe. Um, I love the original Star Trek. And so I am actually going to go with J.J. Um, Abrams. So I think that... I mean, that's a big name, and obviously he has quite a few sci-fi titles under his, under his belt now. But I think that bringing him back to a show would be the best call for his career. Um, you yes. know, I've, I've really enjoyed his Star Trek movies. I, you know, I've slightly enjoyed his Star Wars movies. But I just think that, you know, he is the showrunner of Fringe. He's the showrunner of... of um, I think he did Alias with uh, Jennifer Garner, yes. and then he, yeah, and he also did um, uh, one of my favorite, Lost, of course, Lost. Um, and so he he obviously is familiar with the genre. But I just think that bringing him back, what, what I really love about Fringe, and I'm going to be talking about it a lot this episode, but um, what I love about Fringe is that it's so, even though it gets pretty you know wild and out there, it's pretty small scale for the most part, and that's kind of what I'm going for with the vibe of this show because. Like, that's where I think the most interesting sci-fi stories are found in those kind of small-scale, like, week-by-week, you know, case-of-the-week episodes. Um, And that way you can really dive into, like, the... I mean, this show is really just going to be all concept, right? Like, it's just all, like, what-ifs. And, like, you know, I'm drawing a lot from from Philip K. Dick, uh, the author. And so, yeah, that's going to be the vibe. Um, I just think J.J. is the best call for this. Um, He could definitely bring on, you know... My my lead actor is definitely very familiar with show running as well, and so she would maybe be a consultant on the show. She's never done sci-fi, as far as I know, so that would be interesting. But um, yeah, I'm going with the uh, with JJ Abrams. I, I love JJ. I mean, Bad Robot. I the amount of times I've seen that at the end or beginning of the show or movie, <laughs> yeah. And I've always been like, I love that. Is has happened quite a lot. Um, JJ gets so much, you know, flack for not being able to finish very well, you know. Right. Uh, he's great, great right out the gate, you know, setting up plots and characters. And then some people are like, he flounders. But, you know, I, I really do think going back to being a showrunner and being a part of a show with, you know, a great room of uh, writers and, and you know, being able to go with the flow of how the show's going, mm-hmm. I think maybe be really good and healthy for him you know uh get right. back to what he started with um leave the movie franchises to someone else for now until he you know 
maybe he has a fresh mind of and another way to jump at it. But exactly. uh, I, I really want to see. So uh, with this show, what is going to be your genre, your sub sci-fi genre you would consider the show being under for JJ? Um, so, you know, this would be one that at least for this first season, I don't want to say simple, but it's definitely going to start out of the gate with really just basic. So um, really just kind of going into it's kind of a crime sci-fi hybrid. Um it is set in, in present day. I kind of considered maybe setting it in the future, but I think setting it present day would be fun. And, uh, and it's really just going to be, like I said, it's almost like Freak of the Week. Um, so it's going to be like, you know, one week it's about uh, artif- artificial intelligence, and the next week it's about, you know, um, it's just going to be exploring those different concepts. So that being said, it's going to be, yeah, kind of a crime sci fi um, mix. Um, to go into a little bit of like the the, the basic story, um, so I'll hold off on the rest of my cast because I already threw out JJ. But my my main character um, is uh, FBI agent Amanda uh, McClain, and she and her partner um, where is it? Her partner is Seth Waters. They're both investigating um, a corporation called uh, where is it? Sorry. Um, it's called goodness sakes so my computer just restarted and i lost all my notes um oh man (laughs) so i will recover that but for that for the time being they're investigating this corporation that's a really shady corporation um it is you know they in the there it's a fairly new company but in the past couple years uh they have been finding a little bit more positivity and popularity in the public eye because they just released this new security system um and so they're starting to gain gain some some mainstream you know attention but uh agents um mclean and waters are constantly being called into cases that somehow link back to this corporation and it's always like homicides with really unique you know injuries or missing persons cases and they somehow always trace back to this company um, and so when the show starts, um, when the show starts, uh, Amanda is the main character and she has not heard from her partner, Seth Waters, in four or five days. Um, he's kind of just dropped off the radar and uh, the last she heard from him was a voicemail tonight. He was just, he sounded very, very like panicky and he told her that he had just stumbled onto something huge at this corporation. Um, and then she has not heard from him ever since. And so she is kind of on the trail of trying to find him and also trying to investigate into this corporation. Uh, the first episode is going to be all about that. And really just um, it's going to be, you know, it's it's I drew a lot from Range, obviously, kind of with like the massive dynamic in, in that show. But it, it really is just about how this corporation just seems to be the answer to a lot of these questions that people have, even through this whole first season. Um, and especially later in this episode, she's going to meet with someone who uh is at this corporation and that will start to answer put put a couple pieces together and answer a a couple questions okay i dig this um this corporation is giving me big you know uh the ones behind everything vibes you know like vought from from the boys and wolfram and hart even from Mm -hmm. angel um so you know once you get your notes back i want to hear the name of this corporation but uh so you gave us your showrunner, but, you know, uh, we always let that, you know, slide as a kind of a obligatory pick. So want to go ahead and cast uh, one of your first agents for, for us? 
Yes, yeah. So, um, so I'm gonna go right out the gate with my my main character. Um, I feel like I have just been talking about this person nonstop recently, but I can't help it. She is one of my favorite just names in Hollywood right now. Um, and so, yeah, my lead character, uh, Agent Amanda McLean, is gonna be played by Phoebe Waller Bridge. Um, oh, brilliant. I just I love her. She's she's the best. I just rewatched Fleabag. Um, it's just a phenomenal show. Uh, she is the like just the the bright spot of Solo. I love her as L three. Um, I think she's writing the upcoming James Bond movie, which is really, really cool. So she really has a lot of experience both behind the camera and in front. But in front of the camera, just is incredible. I mean, she just is just in Fleabag. I mean, that that show is two seasons. It's six episodes each, and I just fell in love with her through that show. Um, and I think that. Uh, this would be an interesting kind of venue for her because other than solo she hasn't really dipped her toe into the sci-fi genre um and like i said earlier having experience as a showrunner you know she she created fleabag as a one-woman show and then took it to television um i think that she would be able to collaborate with jj abrams and while he would be the big concept guy and really kind of break down like the themes and the you know, the overarching story with these seasons, I think she would be able to bring in the human element and really kind of bring up the drama and the relationships and the dynamics between the characters, which is what she's, so that's what she's best at with Fleabag. Um, and I really so, like yeah, I just, and again, like, showrun, that's that's a kind of an added bonus. What I'm really casting is, yeah, her just as the lead role, because I, I don't think there's a name in Hollywood that I'm more excited about seeing in the future than than Phoebe. Oh man, she she's magnetic, you know. Um, I have not seen Fleabag or Killing Eve yet. Um, but I mean, I've seen her in so many interviews. Um, I of course have seen her as L three in uh, Star Wars uh, Solo, which I thought was pretty good, uh, underrated. Right. But you know, she has a way with words. She's very uh, well spoken, and she's able to you know really be able to hit that that humorous side of the, you know, the human psyche. So mm. I really do want to see that with her and JJ together um, because, you know, you're going to get the big elaborate sci-fi plotting the elements from JJ. And then with her being the, the human humanistic side, um, that's going to be a really good pairing. That's going to add a lot of levity to your series. Um, it's right. not going to just be, Oh, what's happening. Uh, oh, it's another crazy uh plot device you know it's going to you're going to be caring about this characters i think especially right. her as amanda mcclain um is she uh, amanda going to be who is she what is she is she very gritty is she serious is she you know witty so yeah so she is um you know she has this very close relationship with her with her partner who's missing and so she and also you know this is going to be maybe not revealed right away in the first episode but she's also coping with a recent tragedy she just lost her son um to cancer and so she is really kind of she has a bit of a bitter humor to her but really just a very um like she is very driven and is very just kind of singularly focused on finding this partner because that's really the only solid relationship she has in her life um, and so over the season, you'll start to see her start to let, you know, I have another cast member who she'll start to have formed this bond with. But before that, you know, or as that's happening, she'll you'll start to see some layers be pulled back. But for a while, she's really guarded because, again, she just went through this horrific tragedy and now, you know, is worried about losing this other partner who I mean, this partner who is like the only real kind of solid in her in her life. And so she's just this very kind of driven person. Um, but. 
you know, again, like throughout the season, you'll start to see some warmth from her, and it's, that's brought out by her her fellow cast members. All right, I cannot wait to see who you're casting with her. Um, so I guess that'll it means uh, I'm going to go next for us, and I'm going to tell everybody my showrunner. Which uh, I'm going to break the rules slightly, uh, Kyle. I'm going to do co-showrunners. Absolutely. Because why not? Um, yeah. I had this really good idea. Um, so I'm going to be rolling with JJ's good friend, Damon Lindelof. Yes. My namesake, you know. Uh, <laughs> gotta follow, gotta support everyone named Damon as right. much as I can, you know. <laughs> Go Gorillas. Um, and then Damon Damon Lindelof, and then I'm going to be drafting with him, Courtney Kemp Ogba. Uh, she is the showrunner for Power, which has been a really... Ooh amazing show for the past yeah. uh, six years uh you know co-created with curtis jackson also known as 50 cent right um that's a you know a very well done crime drama you know um let me see it's about james st patrick uh who's a ruthless intelligent drug dealer and uh his street name of course is ghost um but he doesn't want to be in the uh, world anymore he wants to leave it behind and become a nightclub owner so uh, we see the balance between the two lives. Um, and I just love that idea. And I, from what I've seen of the show, it's it's so well done. So I really think she's going to be able to nail the the drama and the human desire and characteristics that I want for this show. Yeah. Uh, well, D- Damon Lindelof is going to be able to come up with some super intense, very methodical plots, I think. Um, yes. he's, he's able to tie them together so well. And I think that, along with Courtney, is going to be a great power team. For sure. Yeah, I, I am not super familiar with power. Um, I've seen you know a couple of scattering of episodes, but I do hear, I mean, that's one of those that I just hear endless good things about. Um, and yeah, Damon, I mean, he is he is just kind of like a, a he's royalty in the television world. I mean, he I, he's done The Leftovers, which is phenomenal. He's done... Uh, Watchmen is one of the best new shows around. Um, I think he was involved with JJ in, in Lost. Um, so yeah, that, that guy's on fire right now. Alias. Oh, that's right. That's, yeah, Alias. They co-created Alias. Yes. So I mean, I, I feel like our shows might have a little similar flavor, with, uh, yeah. you know, but uh, I think they're going to diverge from here. So uh, with that in mind, I also wanted to give the working title for my show. Uh, it's going to be called Mark's Falls. Uh, it's the name of the city, which I believe is very much the, a uh, very much a character of this show, just as much as anyone else. Yeah. Um, I want it to breathe. I want it to be important. Um, there's going to be, I want it, the history to feel authentic and like the city's just worn, you know, and lived in. Um, so, uh, and the city is a, ever-growing cyberpunk inspired city okay it's, it's in the future full of life and crime uh with the boom of cybertech mark's falls becomes one of the leading cities for all innovation in the industry led by peralta industries and several other competing ones uh body modifications and updates to older technologies are becoming the norm here still crime is flourishing in a similar way there are new uh now new toys to play with ones that help them just be more efficient criminals the crime is just getting worse now, and the wealthy choose to throw money at it. Multiple private police sectors, penny police is what most call them, behind their backs, are watching the streets for their employers. All the while, 
gangs are fighting each other for control of their land and their resources. So I'm just pretty much setting this very like urban Game of Thrones action vibe mm, uh, is, yeah. is kind of what I want to go for. Um, a lot of intrigue, a lot of uh, drama between the gangs themselves and in, in the gangs also, as well as the uh, private police sectors in the Marks Falls Police Department, which still exists, but it's very, very under budgeted and just in shackles. They're getting, you know, humiliated by all these uh, p- police sectors. Right. Um, so I, I want to the show is going to follow five different people, at least for the first season. And uh, they, we're all going to see how their fates will inevitably become intertwined. Uh, and I wanted to start with my first two characters, uh, Dodger and Gates. Uh, they're the brothers and pretty much for the most part, the two characters we're going to be following more so than anyone else. Um, and essentially they, they've, you know, grown up in Mark's falls and uh, just recently Gates has come back the younger brother from a, a fail, a, a failing attempt at uh, helping someone start a, having a startup company in Silicon Valley. So he's kind of back uh, tail tucked between uh, beneath his legs and uh he needs help. So he's come back and Dodger, his older brother, has, uh, you know, taken him under his wing and they've kind of started uh, to do some crime. You know, uh, they have some very specific skills that uh, really, lean, you know, uh, help them go uh, towards uh, this kind of life. And it just kind of fits them. In fact, uh, when we start the show, they are, you know, in a run of very successful crimes. Uh, they, I believe they pulled off about five, six different heists in the last year um and they're feeling really good about themselves um and so i will first want to start uh this with dodger of course the older brother he's charismatic loyal strong uh he's a former mma fighter actually uh until he got injured and now he's a demolitions expert who works as an electrician on the side uh he just tries to hustle and stay busy um but all this really is very helpful uh for all of their heists because you know i mean he's going to be able to hit any of the the uh they're able to do any of the electrician work that they're going to need to do uh any of the wiring to get into security uh protocols and if there's anything that needs to get disabled he's going to be able to do the job for the most part uh, and if they need to blow something up he's going to be able to take care of it um you know he's a bit of a teddy bear soft on the inside and a real big romantic uh, but he never backs down. He's very sure of himself. And uh, I would say he's not overly cocky, but he definitely is very confident. Uh, he's just comfortable in his own body and who he is as a person. And so uh, I wanted to cast someone who would be able to to show that very well. So um, I'm going to go with Aldous Hodge as a Dodger, uh, mm. known for his roles in Leverage, mm. Hidden Figures, and Underground. Um. So he's just this very imposing figure who's very well-spoken also and really bright smile. I, I think he'd be able to add some a lot of the charisma to the uh, cast. For sure. Yeah, um, Aldous, I, uh, Leverage is like one of those kind of like big nostalgic shows I have. Um, used to watch it a ton uh, a while ago. Um, just I remember just watching tons of reruns on Ion Television. Um, but... Uh, I really like him. I I have not seen Hidden Figures. I honestly, if I can remember, I think the only thing I've seen him in is Leverage. But um, 
he's great. I mean, he's probably my, as far as I remember, my favorite character on that show. Um, and I really like the way you're building this character. He, yeah, I think he can easily pull off that, you know, he's kind of that guy that everyone counts on for a job, but he, like you said, just kind of is a teddy bear and has that heart of gold. Um, really, really like that pick. And I'm very curious to see who he's playing off of with, with Gates. Yes. So Gates, his younger brother, uh, he's pretty much a tech, tech genius, you know, um, he, I believe is a cyber engineer is what we're going to be rolling with for our, you know, so, uh, science terms here, but, um, he's, he's charismatic as well, but he's intelligent, creative, and he's definitely a little bit cockier than the Dodger is. Um, he's definitely extroverted, uh, of the two. He's very stylish. In fact, I want Gates' is a wardrobe to be half the budget of the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just, he, he's very unique in his style, but he's always dressed to the tens, you know. Um, cool hats, always matching colors, super sick shoes. Um, and I wanted to mention, this is going to be like around, I'd say, 2060, 2070 in the future, but uh, the times, the, the styles, you know, they always recycle. So they're in a very, I'd say, 20s, 1920s kind of vibe as far mm. as their clothing trends. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of suspenders, a lot of, you know, nice fedoras, uh, cool jackets. Um, pinstripe suits. <laughs> pinstripe suits, you name it, you know. So Gates is going to just be very flamboyant with his, uh, whereas everyone else is going to be a little bit more subdued. Right. Um, but he's a passionate person, you know. He tends to dive into anything he's working on and forget anything else. Um, he's also, uh, he has a bit of a gambling problem, which kind of uh, really drives a part of the show going forward here and there. Um, and of course, you know, I did already said he went off to college for engineering. He joined a big company startup. It, it did not go well. And he's been back for a couple years now. And they've been working these jobs. Um, he's a natural hacker. He's even uh, able to build some body mods uh, for certain jobs or for people for uh, some money on the side. Um, and he's also one of the best getaway drivers in the game. Uh, he, as a, as a teenager, he was addicted to street racing. Uh, he just really was a big fan of it. He was always out there, and he's never really gotten it out of his system. So it's perfect for him to, you know, kind of do that role for them. Mm. And for Gates, I wanted to cast Algie Smith, from Detroit as well as Euphoria, the TV show. Ooh, um, okay. Yes, are you familiar with him at all? I think so. Um, I'm trying to remember who do, who does he play in in Euphoria? Um, he plays the uh, cop. The um, let's see, let me look that up. I should have had this already, but the boyfriend with the uh, the girl who gets pregnant, I believe. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. What is his name? Um, uh, Chris, right? Yes. It, yep. That's that's exactly what it is. Okay. Um, you know, very chill, very calm person, but he's able to show working through a lot of uh, problems. Um, I think he's very talented. Um, I think he's an up and coming actor. I think he's going to just get better and better. He's only twenty five years old, which is perfect for the age I, I, I want Gates to be. You know just a couple years kind of flamed out of college and just, you know, ready for the rest of his life. Uh, he's still young and has a lot to look forward to. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I like him. He, 
yeah, very much an up and comer. I also really liked him in The Hate You Give. Um, very heartbreaking role in that movie. Uh, I just, I really like these two together. Um, and I can, I can definitely see him being the more extroverted, kind of the flamboyant of the two. Um, so I really like that. That's, that's interesting. And I got to say really quick, too, about like how you said making Mark's Falls a bit of a, a character itself. That's really cool, too, because that's, I think, a really underrated component to a lot of successful movies and shows. Um, it's not talked about a lot, but like, and, and if you're listening and you have a drink, go ahead and take a shot because Kyle's mentioning the movie Heat once again. Uh, but... but Heat, I mean, that movie, L.A., is absolutely a character in that movie. That's kind of the case with a lot of Michael Mann's movies, but that's important. And I think it's same with, like, The Wire. You know, that's the same case. Um, so this Definitely is, yeah. pulling inspiration from The Wire and, like, yeah. God, even. I can very much feel that. Yeah, this is, I love, like, The Wire with a sci-fi tilt. That's, that's really cool. So I love this. Yes, I, I want it to be just as dramatic and intense as it is action-packed. I really want to try to balance the two as much as possible. And hopefully uh, Courtney and Damon Lindelof can do that for me. Yeah, this for dream sure. um, But mainly I just wanted to, you know, the brothers Dodger and Gates, they're pretty much working through these first few episodes of trying to pull off this next heist. Um, and of course it goes really wrong. Um, and this leads us towards the, what happens in the first season, which is the brothers break up. So to say, they have a very bad uh, argument and they just can't reconcile for now and they're heated. So they just kind of uh, break off. And through the rest of the season, we see how that changes the course of everything in Mark's Falls uh, going forward. Yes, uh, they're they're going to be kind of recruited from other gangs. Um, and so this is how we get introduced to other gangs and other people in uh, the other characters also that you will be seeing shortly. So I like it. This is very intriguing to me so far. Thank you. So uh, that is Dodger and Gates, uh, my, my brothers in style uh, of crime. Uh, so I think that's going to lead us to your turn next, man. Yes, we will be right back with that paper. We're going to go ahead and take a, a short break. Hey guys, and we're back, uh, and uh, we're going to be uh, jumping right back into it, everybody, because uh, I just had my first two picks for Dodger and Gates, and I think we're going to go to Kyle's second pick. Uh, what do you have for us? Is it going to be Seth Waters? Uh, yes, sir. So we are jumping back in. I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to roll with, uh, this is my, I, I can't really say much about him yet, so I'm going to go ahead and go with a little bit more plot before I say who I'm picking for the cast. Oh, um, okay. So in this first episode, like I said, Amanda is really just investigating this. Uh, I have my notes back. So this is Verve Tech. That's V-E-R-V-E. -E. It's short for um, our kind of antagonist's last name. Um, so she's investigating Verve Tech. That's uh, this big corporation, really shady. And uh, towards the end of the episode, as she, you know, it's a really intense first episode. Most of the episode takes place inside this this building of her trying to find out you know what's going on she's sneaking around kind of a little bit going outside of her jurisdiction as an fbi agent um because at this point she's just like kind of fed up and wants to find her partner um and so 
you know, she's sneaking around a lot towards the end of the show or the episode. She comes across these people experimenting on this guy. Um, very clear. The vibe is very clear that he is there against his will. Um, and so she causes a distraction and begins to help him get get out. And he is really out of it, doesn't know his name, um, is not really saying much. And she is really just focused on getting him out of, out of there and, and you know, to safety. And so they're racing out. Um, and so with that being said, um, for this character, uh, we do learn at the very end of the episode, kind of the, the, the stinger at the end of the episode is he looks, there to, he looks at her and he says, Marcus. Like, that's the only thing he can remember is his name. His first name is Marcus. And so for this character, I am casting um, Brian Tyree Henry. Um, oh, yes. I love this guy. Um, as much as I just said I love Phoebe, I also just, man, he's one of my favorites, too. Um, just in the last couple of years, he has really just exploded. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the show Atlanta. Um, he kind of got a start on that show. Um, before that, he was on Broadway and off Broadway, and uh, and now, I mean, he's everywhere. He is. He was in the sh uh, the movie Widows, really, really great underrated movie from a couple years ago. Um, he's also in uh, in our favorite, you know, in Into the Spider Verse. He, I believe, voices. Um, Miles' oh, father. Yeah, oh, that's right. Sorry, Jefferson. Jefferson yeah, he, he voices Jefferson. Um, just a really cool actor. He's also in, um, if you haven't seen Room 104 on HBO, really cool show. It's like an anthology series, and he is in my favorite episode of that. Um, this guy is just hella talented. <laughs> he can sing. He can be really charming when he wants, but also just like really funny. And uh, a lot of acting he does with his eyes, and I think that's very important in this first episode because, again, he really does not say much of anything in this first episode. He is just kind of a person who is has been taken against his will and experimented on. We don't know the extent of that yet. That will definitely be a major plot point in season one. Um, but, you know, all of his acting in this first episode is with his eyes. Uh, it's all physical acting. And uh, I just think he would nail this role. Um, and also, like I said earlier, throughout this season, he is going to be, as he starts to piece together, you know, his memories and his former life before he was taken by Vertech, uh, he... Um, he is going to be, he's forming this bond with Amanda, and they both kind of want, want to get back at Verve Tech, and uh, he'll be starting to kind of bring out the humanity in her, and just, I think they'll form this really cool friendship throughout the show, and uh, I think Brian is just, I think he's a perfect pick for this cast, um, for this for this uh, character, um, and yeah, I just, I would love to see, you know, these two people have never worked together, but they're two really, really big names, and in Hollywood right now, and um, you know he he has recently just kind of broken out in, in the movies, but you know he he definitely got to start on Atlanta, and I'd love to see him go back to TV uh, and kind of you know uh, start with a sci-fi. I, I don't really know that he's been in a lot of sci-fi. Um, obviously, it's Spider Verse, but other than that, he really hasn't done much in that genre. And so this would be super fun just seeing the two of them play off of each other. I, I I love that. Is he going to be kind of like the you know the the kind of the audience's proxy you know just us seeing through his eyes you know to learn what's going on and everything yeah. or is that a quick um, change eventually essentially yeah because you know while he and amanda have basically the same amount of information about this corporation which is none um it's really i mean she's the more experienced she's the hardened kind of detective and he is the person who again is just trying to figure out what's going on he lost a lot of his memories he lost his former life he doesn't know if he has a family waiting for him 
And so I think he would be, he's essentially us and he's experiencing all this for the first time. Um, had never even heard of verb tech before he was taken by them. Um, and so he, yeah, he, he is the person who is, um, we're just along the ride with him and experiencing all this going, going forward. And as they start to work together, um, it's going to be he's going to be the one kind of providing comic relief i think the show could easily get dark at points and so he'll be the one you know he's proven that he can be incredibly funny and so i think that he'll be the one in, you know providing that comic relief and kind of like putting uh you know keeping amanda in check when she gets a little too like intense <laughs> or serious and so okay yeah. i i like that you know the, the kind of the grounding uh you know, effect for the group. I I feel like um, right. Brian is such a charming person. Um, I I love him. Everything I've seen him do. I did not realize he was on Broadway and off Broadway. Um, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, he's so talented. I he forgot he was even in Child's Play, the the mm. recent movie, uh, right. remake. Yes, uh, and he was good in that. Um, you know, I loved him as Paperboy so much. Uh, he is able to show a lot in his uh, his body, just in his body language even, you know? So that's going to be really important for this role where he has no idea who he is. Um, I really want to see that play out and why he doesn't remember anything and what exactly that, you know, uh, you know, what did Verb Tech do to him? Or if, you know, they didn't do it, it was something else. Um very intrigued by what your plot is actually going to be for the uh the whole season uh is that going to be very kind of like the idea we really don't know what's happening we're just trying to find out what verb tech is doing throughout the season right yeah so essentially um the the overlying kind of arc in this in this show at least in season one is as Marcus is is kind of figuring out what's happened to him he's regaining memories he's also displaying like He's starting to experience like he essentially is like a conductor for electricity. So he is like, and it's very out of control, obviously, because he has no idea what's going on. But he can, you know, hear and feel like radio waves around him. He can, you know, hear like radio signals and 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 like phone conversations and stuff like that. He has no clue what's going on, and so because he can't keep it under control, just He's essentially he's a lightning bolt. I mean, he's just con conducting electricity all around him uh, oh, okay. at, at all times. Um, and so a big part of it is, yeah, he's figuring out how to control this power. But also he and Amanda are trying to figure out once again, like what is going on with Vertech? Why in the first place, why they wanted to do this to him and, and what they were planning with him. Um, and so a lot of it, I, I kind of wanted to go, like I said, I mean, Fringe is a big inspiration, but I wanted to go with a bit of like a, a noir feel. Um, they're really just kind of uncovering this this big conspiracy with this corporation and what they've been behind. As the season progresses, you really start to realize that this this corporation has been behind most of the major crimes that have happened in this city. It's it's set in L.A. that have been happening in L.A. for the last you know ten years or so. Um, and so it, she's just uncovering this huge kind of conspiracy, still trying to find her partner who seemed to kind of. Uh, discover that right before he went missing so obviously that's not a coincidence um and so yeah it's really just them it's a mystery it's them kind of figuring out what's going on why is verb tech behind all this stuff um and with that being said i'm gonna go ahead and cast uh so my main antagonist um this is you know the head of the corporation uh the corporation is named after him his name is dr norman verve 
Um, Can and, you spell please? Yeah, that's uh, V-E-R-V-E. -E. All right. That, that is a good name, sir. That is a good sci-fi villain name. <laughs> yeah, you love a, a, a normal. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is, yeah, he, he again, he is, he's very young. He is just kind of exploded onto the scene with his corporation. He's a young kind of, uh, a bit of a, a prodigy for his age. He's maybe mid, late 20s, um, just incredibly smart. He's a bit enigmatic. The public doesn't know a lot about him. They just know that he is founded this corporation and, and they're starting to, you know, release things into the public. This this new security system that seems to be just going off gangbusters. So that's a big part of the season too, is that the public just loves them and has really like just kind of sold out for them. And Amanda is trying to uncover there's something behind all that and it's not safe for the public. And so um yeah, Dr. Verb will be played by um Riz Riz Ahmed. Um I also just really like this guy. He, um, I mean, he's known for he plays uh, he plays Bodhi in Rogue One, uh, the pilot. He is um, he's in that really really great HBO miniseries, The Night of. Um, he's got a great supporting role in the movie Nightcrawler. Just a really talented young actor. Um, and I'm actually, you know, I, I will say I'm not a huge fan of the movie Venom. But I think that he was a really, really good part of that movie. He played a really good kind of slimy villain, um, definitely pulling inspiration from that role. Uh, just he's like this. He's this guy who is really smarter than everyone else, but you can tell has a lot going on behind the scenes. You're not really sure what he's up to. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that a big part of it, he won't be featured heavily in the first season. It'll be a lot of like his employees and his representatives, but as the season goes forward, you start to uncover more stuff about him. He really starts to, he gets, he takes notice of the fact that Amanda is starting to really kind of, you know, put her nose in places where he thinks they don't belong. And, and so he, you know, he starts pushing back and, you know, there's going to be a great confrontation in like the mid season finale where he meets with her and, you know, warns her, if you keep looking, you know, what happened to your partner is going to happen to you. And that's just going to piss her off because she still doesn't know at this point what's happened to him. And so, um, I would just love to see just I'm imagining Riz and Phoebe just going back and forth and I think that would be absolutely incredible I, I, I love the chemistry I think your show and might end up having um, Riz is an amazing actor I liked Venom I thought it was super fun and he was a very serviceable antagonist and I, I think if he's able to really stretch his wings with that kind of role uh, Dr. Norman Verve is going to be a very really I think could be an iconic uh, villain. I think uh, depending on how long he stays, uh, being right. written by JJ and Phoebe, um, he is just this very, um, I, I you know he's able to do a lot of different things. So I really want to see just I want to see him you know really grab a hold of that. Is how how sleazy is he going to be? Is he going to be kind of very quiet and menacing? Is he going to be very slimy and talkative? What what are we getting with Doctor Norman Bird? So he is very much like a, I mean, he's like, he's like our nation's best politicians. Like he's very charismatic with the public. Like I said, they've, they're very positive with this company. So he's very charismatic. He knows how to speak to a room. He knows how to speak with a press conference. But as soon as you see him, I mean, some of the early scenes in the season are going to be him alone as soon as he leaves. And he's just disgusted by like, you know, the mic he has to wear. And you can tell he's just so above all of it. So he has a very superior attitude about him. And he's just like, 
I am smarter than all of you, obviously. Uh, get this mic off of me. I don't want to give any more press conferences. Um, and so, he, yeah, he has a very kind of charismatic public uh, persona, but deep down, you know, and also he very much a big part of it, too, is that when you start to learn more about the experiments that are being conducted, one of my characters is someone who works there with him and starts to kind of gain a conscience throughout the season. Through her eyes, you start to see him. He has a real sadistic edge to him. I mean, he he is in charge of a lot of the ex experiments. And I mean, a lot of his employees are, you know, sir, do we want to really go that far? And he he's essentially, you know, we talked about this with the, the X-Men draft, like with Mr. Sinister. He doesn't care what he has to do as long as he gets what he wants to get done. Like he just only cares about progress and and pushing. You know, the, the, I don't know. I don't know like the official motto, but the you know unofficial motto of, of Verb Tech is just pushing science to its limits, um, pushing humanity to its limits. And so he really just is. Uh, he's interested in seeing what the human being can be capable of. With, with you know this this crazy science that he's conducting and especially what they've been doing with Marcus um, you know they were trying to create essentially a super a superman or a super soldier or whatever trying to give him this this extra kind of ability and and see if they could create almost AI but not really because it's still a human being but you know just give him these capabilities and again he didn't care what, what happened with Marcus he didn't care that Marcus did not volunteer for this they just swept him up and and took him from his uh, from his life and so yeah he's he's this he's very kind of like his role in Venom you know has a little bit of a charismatic edge to him in the public and then you get to him by himself and he just I mean he, I can I can definitely see him having some monologues later in the season just talking about how you know I just don't care what happens to these people as long as I get what I want done. Um, and I would just love to see Riz Ahmed just absolutely eating the chewing the scenery in those scenes. I, I think that would work really well for a TV show. Um, man. Okay, so I really like that idea. I really like where your show's going. Um, and I'm guessing, like, throughout the, the episodes, we're, we're getting, like, kind of separate little things happening that they have to take care of, or is this going to definitely just be following as much of Verve Tech uh, threads as possible? Is it yeah, essentially... Kind of vibe, or? A lot of it I kind of pulled from, like, you know shows like angel season one and stuff like that where they are kind of you know she is with the fbi but she's doing a lot of work outside of that job because a lot of her superiors are like you can't you can't investigate a lot because these are very powerful people and we can easily that could affect us um so she's going a little bit outside of her jurisdiction and forming this kind of team with with marcus and with um you know the one, next one i'm going to cast later who is someone who works with verb verb tech and uh and essentially gains a conscience and decides to help them. And so a lot of it is going to be case by case, week by week, them trying to figure out what's going So the whole over overarching plot is them trying to figure out what's going on and getting closer to Verb Tech. But while that's happening, they're seeing, again, all these kind of phenomenal events going on and investigating into them. And, and you know, there's a it's like a freak of the week kind of thing. Like, you know, who, you know, this, this murder happened, but he, there's a Try really unique. Yes, exactly. I mean, it works for so many shows. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to see that kind of formula play out in a, a sci-fi context. All right. Okay, I can dig that, man. Um, I'm really liking your show so far. Um, I cannot wait to see, you know, who else you're going to cast. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and roll with my next pick, if yes, you sir. don't mind. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to jump back to Mark's Falls. 
And uh, of course, we have Dodger and Gates, the brothers who are working on their heists. And of course, so technically with the first episode, we we have them doing their thing. We get, you know, an idea of who they are, their skills, they're gearing up for this job. And episode two opens with our third character, Howard Grizzly Lang. And uh, he is a sergeant of the MFPD uh, that we talked about earlier. Uh, he's been on the force since he graduated high school. And there isn't much else he really cares for. He's a family man, uh, and he spends time with his wife and three kids whenever he can. Uh, and that he does that, and he solves cases. Uh, he really just, you know, he he likes a cold beer. He likes to to you know spend time with his family. He likes to put bad guys away, and that really pretty much covers it. Um, you know, he has a really hard stance of what is right and what is wrong, uh, and he you know he doesn't really like to budge from that. He's one of the more skilled hand-to-hand fighters on the force. And he's a pretty bad man with a pistol, too. <laughs> uh, you know, he's known throughout the ranks of the crime world as Grizzly for a lot of good reasons that we're going to find out. <laughs> uh, this guy is, is just massive. You know, he's, he's pretty big. Um, and he, he's just really able to just let, put a beating down on people. And he really has throughout the years. Um, he is a name in uh, Mark's Falls. So... Uh, we open with him in the second episode, you know, you know, essentially of the crime scene of this failed heist, which is at Sir Cove Tower. Um, and what uh, Dodger and Gates was trying to do is steal some information. And this is, uh, of course, what they've been trying, they've been doing for the past year is stealing information from big companies and selling it off for, for a nice little penny. And so Howard's been on their tail, right? And so, you know, he's scoping it out, seeing what were wrong, why they failed and everything. And um, so we, we get that. And so who uh, we casted as Howard Grizzly Lang is going to be Stephen Emil. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Yes. Uh, we, you may know Stephen as Arrow, Oliver Queen on CW's Arrow. Uh, you know, he's very broody in that show. <laughs> He's very formidable, physically imposing. Um, he's able to play the character who's very, um, what's the word, damaged <laughs> very well. Yes. Um, so emotional, you know, he's able to do all that really, really well. So I wanted someone who was able to pull off this this beaten down cop, right, um, who's seen it all. He's not really phased by much, but what happens going forward is going to test his who he is as a person. We're going to see him at his lowest, and then we're going to see the, the slow climb through the seasons of who Grizzly really is as a person. But first, he's this cop. He's been at it for a while, and he's trying to catch Dodger and Gates, whoever they are. And so that's the setup for the first couple episodes is we get Howard trying to figure out information. So we get them going through to a lot of different places, meeting people, meeting connections that he has. Uh, Grizzly will talk to this guy named Knickknacks. I wanted to mention, uh, he's this really, this arms dealer and this guy of, uh, he likes to, you know, collect a lot of odd trinkets and, and stuff. Uh, you know, if you want it, he probably has it, it, you know, anything from a really super old baseball card to a very big time collector's edition of a, of an old school rifle. Um, you know, he, he has it all and he's a very eccentric person. Um, but I won't say who he is cause I don't want to waste it. He's a supporting character. <laughs> um, 
But eventually also, as this breakup happens between Dodger and Gates, you know, we have Grizzly chasing them, but they're going through their own thing. They're mad, they're upset, and they're just trying to to divide and do their own thing now. And so Gates is kind of getting recruited by one of the most prestigious and uh, dangerous gangs in Mark's Falls, the Monarchs. Um, they've been around since before Mark's Falls really became a big cyber tech uh, wonderland. Um, and that's because they were taken over by Saul Peralta. And uh, as I mentioned before, Peralta Industries is the leader in cyber tech. So Saul Peralta has his hands in all of the money and power in this city and uh, on the legal side of it. And then he's also running the Monarchs, a very uh, organized and brutal and ruthless crew um, that, you know, do really big jobs. They're very big money launderers. Um, they have their hands in pretty much tons of different other companies and organizations. They're moving guns. They're moving drugs. They're doing it all. And um, but we don't meet Saul at first um, because, you know, he's not dealing with all the, the you know, all of that. He's untouchable. He doesn't, you know, do anything with the with the low side of crime unless he has to. His hands are clean for all we know. Um, but, you know, who is kind of taking care of some of the other stuff is his right hand man. And that's Bryce, the prince, Paul. He is uh, essentially the uh, heir apparent to the uh, industry. Um, he's, he's only 23, 24. Uh, he just got back in town recently from Brown, you know, he, uh, double majored in where are we at, uh, in business and computer sciences. This guy is very sharp, very talented. Um, he has his eyes on the prize, which is to take over the monarchs eventually and take over Peralta industries. Um, this guy is very calculated, sharp, witty, um, and he's very intense, um, everything he does, he, uh, it seems like he has a reason for doing it. Never a step taken for without reason. Uh, he, everything he says, he means to say it. Um, and this guy, Bryce Paul, is going to be played by Charlie Heaton. Ooh, that's the guy from uh, Stranger Things, right? Yes, it is, is from Stranger Things, the older brother of of um, Will and... And then uh, also he is in the New Mutants movie, which will never right. come out ever. So <laughs> I don't know why I brought it up. <laughs> so sad. Um, but I love the intensity that this guy has in his face. Yeah. Um, right? Like his stare. It, it just kind of like, you know, is daggers. And I feel like that would play really well for this character who's going to be this, this young kid who really has a lot of power at his disposal. Um, you know, he's essentially the uh, adopted son of Saul. And uh, so, you know, he has, everyone pretty much has to listen to him. And, you know, he's very talented and very smart at what he does. So he's really kind of there to bring Peralta Industries and the Monarchs to the next level. And so that's why he's recruiting Gates is because he thinks Gates could be a very important part of the Monarchs. You know, right. uh, his hacking skills is very, very good. And, uh, you know, so we get Bryce and Gates meeting each other and him recruiting him and kind of bringing him into the beginning of the Monarchs, you know, the low levels, um, trying to see what Gates is all about and if he can uh, 
you know, pass the test because the monarchs don't let anyone in. They're very, very selective. So, you know, I believe like episode three or episode four would essentially pretty much be the monarch trials uh, title. And that would just be a lot of just what that would be. Gates going through a bunch of different stuff to make sure he's, you know, up to the test. Uh, Mixed in with, you know, maybe Grizzly trying to find out more info, hunting down Dodger, who Dodger is doing his own thing with another gang, which we'll talk about next. (laughs) But uh, what, what do you think about that, man, so far? This is really intriguing. Let me ask you this. I forgot to ask at the top, but so what do you have a like specific like network or place you would have this show air? I didn't even think about that. Um, with this kind of vibe, I, I feel like Netflix would per- honestly be the perfect vehicle for it. Mm, yeah. Um, HBO, I love HBO. I would think about HBO, but there's this sort of like expectation for it that i just don't want for the show right you know uh netflix you're you know you're just kind of like oh it's a netflix what is it going to be it could be anything um so i I want that freedom to let lindelof and courtney ogba do their thing Mm. and run with it um yeah for sure and also with that too this sounds like a show that you would definitely want to binge and so having a job on netflix is perfect for that i mean that's exactly I do want the binge like, you know, the the water cooler talk once a week is awesome. But I this show is a super big narrative. You know, it's going to bleed really well to each into each other. I want it yeah. to be one running story, you know, chapter, chapter, chapter. So with Netflix, yeah. binge would be very vital. Yeah, this is this is cool. This I mean, it really sounds like we, we mentioned it before, like The Wire or like Grand Theft Auto meets sci-fi. Like I really like that vibe. Um, I really, really like Stephen Amell cast as you said that the character was Howard Lang. Yes, Howard Lang. Okay. Grizzly, which Grizzly. is pretty much what most people end up calling him after the first season. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that. I really like um kind of the juxtaposition from Arrow to this. You know, he's playing you could i mean i don't know a lot about this yet but you could say the healthy version of oliver queen um a little bit less damaged but still has that really great unflinching kind of view of right and wrong that we love about oliver queen um i do i mean i have a complicated relationship with the Arrowverse. i think some sometimes it's great sometimes it's terrible but he is definitely a constant in that in that world um you know without him that doesn't exist he's definitely the iron man of that (laughs) that franchise um and so he yeah he's a great pick i uh, am excited for his career post arrow he's got you know um that show heels coming out he's a big wrestling fan he's gonna be starring in a, in a wrestling show oh i didn't um, know about that why yeah. did I know about that super exciting and there's gonna be on showtime he's he and uh my omega red from last episode alexander ludwig they're playing like brothers who are uh he's a heel and alexander is a face and it, yeah so i'm super excited that about that sounds- so amazing and i am now very very excited can't wait for that but uh i also can't wait for this because this definitely needs to actually be a show (laughs) um but i love yeah i love that he he is a great pick for this role um i would love to see him kind of butt heads or like kind of face off with the brothers with dodger and gates um and i also just really like uh charlie heaton i've only ever seen him in stranger things um uh, but he, you're right. He has just a real, just intensity to him. I mean, very, very intense in Stranger Things. Um, if not for for Steve, you know, he would be one of my favorite characters. But I love the hair. Uh, <laughs> but he, yeah, he just very intense on that show. 
Um, I like the idea of him being kind of the heir apparent to to Saul. Um, that's really intriguing. Um, you could maybe see that come into conflict a little bit, maybe with him and you know expecting to kind of become this uh, successor, um, and Saul's not ready to give that up yet, maybe. Um, but I do like the idea of him recruiting Gates because that could easily create some conflict between Gates and Gates and Dodger. Um, so yeah, that's. I like this a lot so far, man. This is cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and like, I mean, with Steven, I really wanted that physicality because like Grizzly's gonna just be a boss fighting. And oh, yeah. Steven is just so well trained. He just puts his all into all the fight scenes and stunts. So I want that on this show. He's an absolute know? unit. <laughs> Good God. Yes. Um, he's got a great fan base behind him too. So bring the yes. bring those fans and watch the show. Um, but real quick, I want to hear a couple more of your thoughts on that, but we're going to go to break real quick, guys. All right, guys, welcome back. We are back from break and jumping right back into things. Um, so Damon just gave us some more details on his... Uh, his the wire sci-fi no his his marks falls um really loving how this is coming together um i'm very excited to see you're picking for saul because i think he could be a big component of that show Um, so i just tell you right now saul is not getting casted for season one i'm sorry yes so so i I just wanted to say everybody we, we we you know we had to keep this to some sort of number of cast and i was like i want to cast 15 people though (laughs) because my show is very much an ensemble but for the sake of this not being forever and ever i i I narrowed it down so i really wanted to show bryce be that kind of that proxy for us towards saul he's going to be mentioning saul tons to gates you know and he's going to be our our entrance into the monarchs into peralta industries Mm -hmm. but we won't get saul until season two that's really cool. I like that because, you know, I'm disappointed because I love a good, you know, I love the Godfather. I love a Vito Corleone kind of character. But this is, that's really intriguing because um, that really sets up a really great mystery of like, who is this guy who seems to be just in charge of everything? And I imagine it's like everyone is afraid of him. Um, or loves him. You know? I mean, on the public yeah, side, he's right. revered as, as the savior almost of the city. So he's a bit like a kind of a kingpin type character. Yes. Okay. Oh, man. That's very intriguing. Funny, because actually that is his nickname, uh, is the king. That's what they call him, of course. That is why Bryce is the prince. They are the monarchs after all. This show is going to have your very cheesy, uh, awesome code names, because (laughs) why not, you know? Oh, for Um, sure. Yeah. They give it a lot of flavor, so I, I love that. That's very cool. Um. Yeah, but um. So, do which one do you like more so far? Do Do you like the idea of watching of watching Grizzly uh, try to find the clues for Dodger and Gates, or do you like? Do you think you're going to be more intrigued watching the, the Prince uh, recruit Gates and show him the ropes? I'm definitely. I mean, they're both really intriguing, and especially because I love Stephen and Mel so much. But I, I would definitely be intrigued with uh, kind of the story of Gates, and and I imagine Dodger will come into play too. Um, but just like their falling out is very interesting to me, especially so early in the show, and then seeing kind of what happens from there. 
And I imagine Gates would be kind of the breakout fan favorite of this season. Um, so that's exciting. That's I like that a lot. Just him kind of getting into this gang and um, especially his personality, maybe seeing that like clash with Bryce after he recruits him. That's that's intriguing. That sounds like really exciting television. Yes, thank you. So we're going to roll to your next one because I'm really intrigued to see where you're rolling with yours, man. Um, so talk to me. Okay, so um, so I've got my got my Amanda, I got my Marcus and my Norman. I'm gonna go ahead and roll with. So this character is named Rachel Phillips. I mentioned her a couple times. She is uh, she works at Verve Court, or, sorry Verve Tech, um, and she actually is on the team of scientists who have been working on Marcus. Um, so when we meet her, it's in episode one. After, you know, Amanda causes the distraction, uh, leading up to that, we have kind of been seeing some scenes of uh, Rachel kind of with her team working on Marcus. And you can tell that she really doesn't feel very comfortable with this. She knows that Marcus is there against his will. Um, She's fairly new to this job, and she kind of, it's definitely different than what she expected. Um, And so you can see her kind of this internal conflict of her gaining a conscience and gaining, you know, starting to really feel uneasy about what's going on here. And so when Amanda, excuse me, when Amanda um, breaks out Marcus, you know, she's kind of cornered. She doesn't know how to get him out. And Rachel shows up and, you know, decides to help her get him out. And they're going to be kind of the trio. There they're are Angel, Wesley, and Cordelia. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, yeah, so she, um, I'm going to go ahead and cast uh, Rachel. So this is, this character is going to be played by Nassim Pedrad. Um, New Girl fans know her as Allie. Uh, I'm a huge fan of New Girl. I love Allie. She's one of my favorite characters. She's also really great in the uh, the Aladdin movie that came out last year. Um, so, what's that? So good. I mean, oh, I, I, yeah. thought, I thought she was good in it. I thought Aladdin was actually a pretty good movie. I, I don't care what she said. I think separating it from the original was hard because that's my favorite Disney movie. But once you separate it, it it's good. It's got a, a personality to its own. Um, yeah, and I, I liked her a lot. I think that she was a fun addition. You know, obviously she's not in the original, but she was a really fun addition to the movie. And I just love this actress. Um, yeah, Nassim Bedrad, she got her start on SNL. Um, really, really funny cast member. She was there in one of my favorite kind of eras of SNL with, you know, Bill Hader and Andy Samberg and a lot of just really, really what are now really big comedic names. Um, and, uh, I think that this would be a really interesting role for her. I think that, you know, we haven't seen her do a ton of really dramatic roles. Um, and so this would be interesting, you know, seeing her as someone who just really kind of is not okay with what's going on at this place that she thought was going to be very different. She was one of the people who was so enraptured by Dr. Verve, you know, in his press conferences and. And she was like, she's pretty young and she is very smart, top of her class. And so she was really excited about this future with this company. And it's very quickly apparent to her that it's, it's a lot darker than what she realized. And you could have a couple scenes with her and Dr. Verve of, you know, once he takes away that public persona, he's just telling her, just get it done. I don't want to hear, you know, what you're uncomfortable with. Just get it done. And she's really starting to, you know, kind of be skeptical, skeptical about this place. And so... Um, Nassim would be really fun to see uh, play that inner conflict up and then having her as you know the finishing part of that trio you know her Marcus and and Amanda figuring things out as the season goes forward she would be Amanda's kind of in 
to the company because you know while she doesn't or she helps them leave she doesn't leave the company because she figures she can help them be a bit of a an insider into what's going on you know she is a pretty low level employee but that's their end i mean that's how they can get in to investigate and so she's a bit kind of playing a double agent kind of undercover the whole season um and you can also see a part of the season is going to be that kind of weighing on her because again she's pretty you know uh, young and just seeing all that's going on at this company is really starting to affect her. So a lot of the conflict will be coming from her. Just she starts to really feel the weight of this double agent kind of role, um, mm-hmm. and so that would be. I think that would be really intriguing. And uh, again, I just really love seeing Bedrod. I'm excited to see her play. You know, play off of Brian, but especially play off of Phoebe. I think they would have some really incredible heart to heart kind of conversations in this season. I, I love that, dude. Uh, Nassim is such a great actress. Um, I actually was thinking about casting her for one of my roles oh, as well. Not mentioned yet. Um, <laughs> because she is so good, and I really wanted her to, to see her in some, uh, you know, more of a dramatic role. Um, because I think she will be able to do it very well, you know. Yes. Um, they say comedy is the hardest form of acting, and once you, you know, nail that, you can, you can do everything else pretty well. So she has that down easy. Um, to see her with Riz, Brian, Phoebe, um, her with, especially with, with Marcus and Amanda's characters, um, that trio is going to be a lot of fun. Um, especially, you know, to see what kind of, uh, relationship Marcus gets with her, considering that she was one of the scientists was working on him. Right. Yeah. She was not heading up, but she was one of the low level employees. Yeah. But she was involved. And so one of his early memories could be like, wow, you were there. Like, so that could be a lot of conflict. A lot of conflict. I I like that. That's a lot of natural, you know, really natural way to go. Um, Builds a lot of strength for the trio going forward once they can get through all that. In, you know, as far as the trio goes, um, Rachel Phillips, her character, she's going to be the one figuring all of the, the science and the problems going forward out, you know, I'm guessing since, you know, trying to figure out how, how uh tech is doing all the things they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, as the season goes on, once we get kind of past the barrier of, you know, this conflict between her and Marcus, he starts to trust her and she will be what, I mean, she's just going to be the person that helps him figure out all these powers that he's experiencing. And also, you know, like I said, being kind of that, that insider and, and, uh, Vertech, but also, yeah, she she's very experienced and an incredibly smart and bright person, and so she'll be providing some much needed, you know, Walter Bishop uh, scientist uh, <laughs> insight into what's going on with all these cases. Um, and so Amanda and Marcus are kind of the ones in the field, as it were, kind of fighting the bad guys, and then they bring back, you know, uh, they bring back the evidence back to to their home base, wherever that is, to to Rachel. And she is the one who kind of figures out what's going on. Oh, this is that, you know, that's what, what's, what we're dealing with, you know. I like this dynamic that you're building with them. Uh, I want to see how it moves through multiple seasons, man. I want to see uh, what the, uh, you know, how they go forward with Verve Tech, if they, uh, if they stop them, if, how long does she work there? I, I don't think she's going to be working for Verve Tech Probably throughout the season. That's going to be my call. I'm calling it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a good call. I'll just say right up front, that's definitely the case. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, after a while, it really gets to her. And that's that's actually going to take Carrius into my next pick because, um, you know, while she's doing this kind of double agent thing, there is one of her superiors who works there. Um, that'll be my next uh, kind of cast pick. So, 
Dr. Lisa Kent um, is basically, she is the go-to person uh, at Vertex. She handles all of Norman's, you know, when he doesn't want to do a press conference or whatever, she handles all of that. But also she is working in the experiments, working with the scientists. Very, very smart person. Um, so she's, I mean, she's Norman's just uh, right-hand person. Um, he goes to her with everything. They really are the only two people who trust each other. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and cast Lisa Kent. This is going to be, she's going to be played by uh, Connie Nielsen. Um, Connie Nielsen is known for roles in uh, movies like Gladiator. And um, she was in Wonder Woman. She uh, had a great role in uh, the show The Following that I think is just an incredibly underrated show. Um <laughs> I really like this actress. She's just has a very interesting presence about her. You know, with Gladiator and Wonder Woman, she's obviously a good a good person. She's on the good side, and so she has just kind of a regal, especially in Wonder Woman, has a very regal presence to her. But man, in the following, I just love that show, and she is just oh man, her character just gets under your skin in that show. It just really, really freaks you out. And uh, I think she could kind of toe that line really well in this show. You know, again, she is handling kind of all the public stuff with Vertech, and so she has to kind of put on that diplomatic face. Um, but you you start to understand why she and Norman are so close because they're both kind of monsters. Like they both are very interested in science and don't really care about the moral side of it. Um, she's also the direct superior of Rachel, and so um, you know, after everything goes down in the first episode, Rachel helps uh, Amanda and Marcus escape. Um, Dr. Kent is not aware of that initially, but she starts to kind of be suspicious of Rachel coming in and out of the office a lot. And she's, I mean, she's seen beforehand, she's seen, you know, Rachel be a little bit uncomfortable with their experiments they're conducting. And so she's keeping a very, very close eye on Rachel. Um, eventually, maybe the mid-season finale is she finds, she finds Rachel meeting with Amanda and meeting with Marcus. And first of all, I mean, you know, on Verbtech side of things, they've been looking for Marcus this entire season because they're one of their most important experiments has escaped. Um, and so she she finds the three of them working together. And so that's kind of like, you know, that's the, the mid-season finale. The hammer drops. And at this point now, Rachel is no longer a double agent, but she is working against this corporation. And uh, Dr. Kent is very much kind of going to be a foil for her because they're both really bright, very intelligent um, scientists uh, Rachel just has a conscience, you know, she has a, a moral compass, whereas Dr. Kent doesn't seem to have one. Um, and so she is going to be, we're going to see a lot more of her than we do of Dr. Verve. Um, she's going to be the one who really provides a lot of the conflict overall in season one with our, our three protagonists. Um, we'll see Verve towards the end of the show, but she's the one that's constantly kind of, you know, sending people after them and, and trying to cover things up and meeting with them and, trying to persuade them to leave the company alone and stuff like that. And again, I just think that Connie Nielsen is really, really cool in that role. She is a pretty seasoned actress. She's been around for a minute. And so to my knowledge, I mean, I could be wrong. I have not ever seen her in a television show. Um, so this would be a bit of a, bit of a different you know, kind of a change of pace for her. Um, but yeah, I just, I would love to see her kind of face off against Star 3, especially Rachel. That would be really, really interesting to me. That, I, I like that, man. Connie Nilsson, I think, is going to be able to pull off that, like, face 
of that company very well. I mean, she's the one that's going to be doing all the press releases. I'm get I'm guessing. Yeah. Taking care of all the media while Riz just, you know, does all the fancy fun stuff, you know, right? Exactly. Yeah. He is again, you know, he has a bit of a public persona, but really he's just interested in the science. So she handles all the the diplomatic stuff for him, the public stuff. She makes sure everyone is is happy and <laughs> has no idea what's really going on at Murph Tech. And so she's really going to be the kind of the two-faced character in this show. Is One side of it is like you think that she's very um, just this very charismatic person and very diplomatic. And then you see her just with alone with with uh, with Dr. Verve. And it's like, wow, they're they they're the same person. <laughs> they're both just really kind of messed up people. Um, so I'd love to see them play off each other like that. I like that you're setting up a verb to be awesome. And I'm, I'm going to mention the boys again. Uh, I forget. Yeah. Have you seen the boys yet? Yes. Yeah. So she's giving me like serious Madeline Stillwell vibes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. They, they definitely have the same dynamic at maybe not as creepy, but (laughs) (laughs) same dynamic as Madeline and and Homelander. Uh, God, I I love the boys. I can't wait for season two. Oh, Um, I'm swamped dude. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from, uh, from uh this character lisa can't that and i'm kind of getting like you know just that that second in command vibe that you know they're really the one really in charge because they're the one making all the serious decisions whereas the you know riz riz's character dr norman is just kind of playing is off in his own world doing his own thing and she's mm-hmm. really taking care of business and i really like that to see right happens to where um verve is more important to the story and becomes a more integral part i really want to see what brings that forward so yeah um yeah he would definitely be like definitely just in the shadows you see him a couple scenes but he's just you can tell he's just got a lot going on behind the scenes and i also wanted to mention too the dynamic between the two of them i think would be really important to the show because it going back to like daredevil with kingpin you know even in season one he had that connection with Vanessa and that kind of humanized him. And then also he had, I really, one of my favorite characters in season one, surprisingly was Wesley, like his kind of his right hand man, the one who kidnapped Karen page and eventually was killed by her. Um, Just seeing Kingpin's Wilson, this reaction to that death is like, wow, this guy is really sadistic and evil, but he's still so affected by, you know, people he cares about dying. And so like seeing the connection between Lisa and Norman, I think, would be important because Norman is is this kind of removed person. He doesn't seem to care about anything other than science. But then you see Lisa, you know, maybe is put in danger during the season, and he is like, "No, you don't mess with her. That's my that's my person." <laughs> so having that dynamic would be really interesting. I, I like that. I do think that's so important because you know when you do have this setup as for the antagonist, it, uh, and shows have done really good job of it in the last five ten years of showing the bad guys the antagonists and showing how human they are and how they're just like everyone else it's just how they go about things are so wrong um but you see why they make those decisions and you see what drives them and i think that would be really great to see her you know vibing with verve see their relationship and why they're both together in this company and what their goals are um and what they're going to do to try and stop a you know this trio of uh no no do-gooders man uh, trying to mess up their company uh right. are you sure they're the antagonist <laughs> <laughs> right exactly <laughs> um I, I really like this man um i really like the pick for connie i think uh 
Connie Nielsen is going to be really, really good for Dr. Lisa Kent and is really going to bring uh, a sense of seriousness and prestige to your show, um, I think. And it's going to be great. I, I want to see her go up against Amanda and Rachel and, you know, see them, you know, battle, battle wits. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for your show. <laughs> uh, can you make it? I mean, it's coming out tomorrow. Hate to break it to you like this, guys, but it's coming out tomorrow on Netflix. <laughs> All right, so we're uh, both on Netflix. This is good. I, yes. I like the Netflix model. So you're going to be full binge, right? You're able to watch all these uh, one after another. Yeah, I've got to say, I just I'm completely sold out on the streaming era. I just I think it's such a cool way to go with these kind of shows, especially when we're talking. I mean, we're both kind of kind of blending that sci-fi crime genre and crime shows just. They're made to be binged, right? You just have to know what's going on with these two kind of warring sides. And so, yeah, I, I think that Netflix is the way to go. They're killing it right now. I mean, just killing the game. And so that's just the that's the easy answer. <laughs> right. And so so as we jump back to, to my show um, real quick, I, I just wanted to say, yeah, like, I mean, crime shows are so popular. They're everywhere. There's so many produced. And with this kind of cl- uh, change, I feel, uh, politically, um, I feel like that might change going forward for the TV yes. climate. Um, and so I definitely wanted my show to definitely be centered on just how corrupt it all is going to be. And I wanted to center on the crime side of it and to show the motivations of why these people are doing illegal things. And I, I wanted to show that from from the, you know, the people just trying to survive to the people who just enjoy the pleasure the people who just want the power. I really want to show as many different dynamics of the crime show and really deconstruct it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Something like the wire did so well. So, um, so I wanted to jump into, I I believe I have two more characters um, and we're going to roll into those. So my next pick is going to be the leader of the brotherhood of blood. Uh, This is the game that Dodger gets recruited towards. Um, Yes, and the leader is Ian Mastiff Rogers. Uh, yeah, this group loves their dog names. They're all <laughs> named dogs, and uh, he is the Mastiff. He is the leader. Um, and this guy, he, uh, he began this real you know, while back. He's been running this crew for a while. Um, let's see. He is. Let me find this in my notes, of course, so I can say this properly. He began the Brotherhood when he was merely 20, uh, no one would give him a chance. He was not good with a gun or technology or really much of anything. Uh, he was just a hustler, really. Um, but eventually he sought out his own crew. He sought out a few that had been dismissed just like him. Um, and he, he started to build on that. Um, and what we have now is this very large, massive gang, the Brotherhood of Blood, who is which is almost very cult-like. Um because Ian is this very cult-like figure. He's very calm and persuasive. Um, and he just didn't really know that uh, when he started out all those years ago trying to get into these gangs. And he's really found his calling, which is to tell people what to do. Uh, they listen so well. Uh, he's able to manipulate. He's able to, you know, he's a bit of a sociopath, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but he's built this gang. Um, to be very brutal, very efficient. Um, but you know, they're they're not ones to, you know, cry about much of anything. Um, they get the job done. 
uh, and they, you know, they cause a lot of damage in their wake. Um, they tend to do a lot of drug crimes. They like to do a lot of um, violent. They, they they essentially like to think they own this little part of town that they're in, and they want to protect it. Uh, they have a lot of their money in the uh, illegal prostitution rings. That's yeah. one of their biggest money makers, um, and that'll be kind of a a tale through the first season um, because they kind of have uh, you know his own personal girl, you know so to say, his own consort mm-hmm. um, to go a little old school. Um, but that, you know, getting away from that, because that's later. Um, Ian, he is this very just well-spoken person who has this intensity about him that, you know, if you if someone is, you know, questionable, their loyalty to him, he's never going to, you know, bring it up too much. He's just going to get rid of him if he needs to. Uh, he, he does whatever he needs to to make sure his group is tight and loyal. And so he sees Dodger, who's, you know, broken from his brother, and uh, he, he decides to recruit him, who, uh, you know, this is this very great skilled fighter who's, you know, a bit violent and damaging himself, you know. Um, and a lot of those heists, there was always a bit of a mess left behind, uh, which is good for Grizzly, of course, for for, uh, evidence. So I wanted to go ahead and mention who Ian Rogers is. Um, And I wanted to go with someone who is able to play uh, a leader very well. We've seen him do it before on TV. And that is going to be Andrew Lincoln. Ooh, okay. Yes, we know him as Rick Grimes. Rick himself. Rick himself, (laughs) sheriff. Um, I wanted someone who really, I mean, he played Rick so well because you, you wanted to follow him. And also you were scared that he was the the bad guy all along, you know, you back and forth. Um, and he played that so well, you know, he's like, you know, you got to follow me, uh, from now on. I I believe that was in season four. I, I, I love that speech. He's like, you know, we, we have to do what we have to do. You're either with me or you're not. Uh, and what I say goes, you know, the the dictatorship, if you will, <laughs> days. Those were great. And then um, he's able to play, you know, a little bit of a softer side. But we won't see that with Ian Rogers. He, he's going to be very manipulative, and he's going to be this just this leader of the brotherhood who we see, uh, you know, take Dodger under his wings with a lot of talk about joining this family, joining this group who's going to be there for him, uh, who will never walk away. Um, and so Dodgers kind of get indoctrinating into this, uh, this cult gang, if you will. Uh, so what do you think? I like this a lot. I am, uh, this is going to sound weird, but I'm a sucker for a good cult leader in the show. <laughs> um, that's just so fascinating to me. The idea of this, like this group of people who are just so enraptured by someone who's so gifted with, you know, leading and manipulating and, uh, this is probably my favorite pick yet of yours because Andrew Lincoln is such an interesting actor. You know, outside of The Walking Dead and then like Love Actually 500 years ago, <laughs> he really has not had the chance to really break out mainstream. I mean, it's in between him and Daryl. Uh, Daryl is the much more successful actor, I think. Um, and so this would be really cool to see him kind of lean into that really good leader, but like 
bringing out kind of like a sociopathic side, that's very interesting to me. Um, like I said, I'm a sucker for this kind of role in the show. I think it's crucial to a crime show to have this. Um, and I'm curious, like, what is the compelling force behind him recruiting Dodger? Like, what what about what about him makes Dodger want to join this gang? Yeah, so like I, like I said, um, this is of course a little rough, rough draft, of course. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, like I said, Dodger and Gates had their names out there; they were kind of known through the crime world. Um, but so, and then their breakup didn't what did you know wasn't heard, but they were still getting recruited. So they kind of wanted to recruit both of them. So when he finds out that Dodger is by himself, this is just exactly what he needed. He's like. We are a family. We do everything together. We all live together. They have this crazy, huge warehouse that they, they you know, that they furnish and just live there. You know, it's it, it's kind of like that uh, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original movie vibe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but a little bit more upscale and a little bit fancier. Um, a little bit, you know. But I just want that like vibe that they're all just in it together. They're not doing anything else but making money and and being happy they're they're, they want to make sure ian is happy and satisfied um but dodger wants wants to join because you know he doesn't want to be alone again um when gates left i want to do a little bit of backstory real quick to, to just highlight this dodger and gates are orphans uh they grew up on the streets of marks falls okay um just kind of fending for themselves i believe their parents were just kind of a druggies who i think you know just kind of both died at some point in their young lives um and then they get picked up by mama who is this amazing um awesome badass who you get to meet maybe season one but i won't cast her because that's just too many casts but uh (laughs) mama raised them uh she's been on the streets herself for a long time she's a pickpocket she's a really great thief um, she knows her way around the streets probably more well than anyone else. Um, and she eventually ra- essentially raises them as her own um, because, she, you know, and they're not the only ones she's done this for. You know, she's been doing this for a few years, uh, going back to when she was about 20, 24 herself, helping kids get off the streets and get started on their own lives, whether it be, you know, getting back into school or getting on the streets and uh, doing work for her to make some money. Um so Dodger and Gates kind of, you know, went a little bit of both, you know, she, tr- you know, trained them up to be smart and intelligent and know their way around the streets, got them back in school. So Gates was able to do his thing, you know. Um, so Mama is a very important character. But that, that kind of gets you an idea of of the life that Dodger has lived. It's been a rough life, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He has had that mother figure, but now he really he's he's a bit on his own, you know, Mama is doing her own thing. Uh, I, I believe she has a couple of kids to raising at the moment. Um, but um, so he just he needs this kind of he needs something to latch on to. And it's just the perfect timing, you know, the perfect storm. And, and Ian is just a master at, at throwing out those little nudges of, of exactly what Dodger wants to hear and need right now. Yeah, you know, yeah. really so, on that vulnerability of like needing a family. Exactly. I like that a lot. That's that's interesting. I like I like the way you're playing out all these character dynamics, and they're very believable. These are very like living and breathing characters. Um, it's very interesting so far. 
Thank you. Thank you. So uh, before we go any further, we're going to take a quick break. Hey guys, and we're back. Um, I just casted uh, one of my awesome gang leaders uh, for Marks Falls, Ian Rogers, the Mastiff, by uh, Andrew Lincoln. You know, Rick Grimes is going to be playing him. But uh, but yeah, so uh, Kyle, real quick, wh- what's your favorite casting of mine so far? So, this is tough. I'm very <laughs> torn between Stephen Amell and Andrew Lincoln. I think they're both really interesting calls. Um, I think I'm going to go with Andrew Lincoln. I know it's the one you just mentioned. I just think that, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for that that kind of role. Um, and again, he he really we've got we've not gotten a chance to see a lot of him outside of The Walking Dead and you know like Love Actually. So this could be you know this would be a really really cool role for him to I think impress a lot of people because while he's great as Rick, he doesn't get to do a ton of different things in that role. Um, and so that's probably my favorite because I just think there's a lot of potential and I think, I mean, I don't know what direction you're going, but would he be sticking around past season one? Yes. Um, that's not a big spoiler. Uh, I did have big plans for all of these characters and the ones that will get mentioned and passing like mama and Saul, they're all going to be in the next few seasons. Um, it's just, a lot of I, I you know we don't really know where they're going to be going but it's just a lot of threads crossing and intertwining and then going their own ways and then passing by each other again so he, he will that. be around intertwining with all of these characters that i mentioned in some way okay very interesting well um i think that leaves us you have one last pick yes yes i do so um i could have gone so many different ways um i did want to mention ian's uh right hand man for the Brotherhood of Blood, he'll be in there. Uh, I won't cast it, but that's going to be Cal Shepard Greer. He is pretty much just as a, uh, you know, he's a bit more of a violent person than Ian. You know, he uh, pretty much uh, has a short temper. He keeps everyone on their leash, essentially, though. He's like kind of like the the watchdog for, the, for uh, Ian. Whenever Ian's not around, Cal is his eyes and ears and mouth. He's like on everybody to make sure they're, they're doing their shit. You know, right. he's running everything. He's the general. Um, so you'll see him in action with the uh, Dodger a lot as well. Um, I wanted to cast him, but I, I also really wanted to, to hone in on this other aspect of Mark's falls. Um, and so I wanted to, to talk about Lita Handel. She is going to be um, a blogger and investigative journalist. Uh, she's ambitious, passionate, and honest. She's fearless, just. Um, and so she enters because she's just been doing these blogs, right? She's doing these videos about the uh, the crime in Marks Falls and how it hasn't changed because there's been a lot of propaganda and news and stuff that you know it's gone it's marks falls is getting cleaned up and she's just pretty much saying they're full of shit she's exposing the truth as much as she can you know and she's really getting kind of like a a big following for it you know right. um she's getting her name out there which is also really bad because she's getting her name on the 
the list of a lot of bad people who aren't liking what she's doing, you know? I mean, she grew up watching the news, so this is just what she does. She's always been interested in in everything that's happened, especially the crime world. Um, and we kind of find out why she's, a, you know, she likes it so much throughout the season and the series. Um, and she becomes more uh, involved with it as we go forward, of course. Um, but I wanted to cast someone who I think needs more roles, um, who I think could play this very ambitious uh, journalist who's going to be, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. And she's going to eventually get tied up with Dodger going forward uh, towards the later uh, episodes of the season. So we're going to see her and Dodger um, because Dodger is not going to like the Brotherhood of Blood very much uh, eventually. I, I know he uh, I said that Ian is, a, a you know, great at what he does and gets people to follow him. But Dodger, you know, Dodger is his own person. And right. he was, you know, he was in a very big moment of weakness. And, you know, he really does like the brotherhood going at first, you know, uh, it feels very nice and familiar. Uh, some of the first things they do together is a lot of fun for him. He's able to blow up a lot of shit which is some really good visual scenes, I think, you know, episode six, episode seven. Yeah. We get to see that, how the Brotherhood uh, pretty much does things, which is to say very violent, <laughs> a lot of explosions, a lot of fighting, tons yeah. of fighting. Uh, they, they're just trying to uh, cause damage to others and keep a hold of their, their property. Um, and Dodger just kind of, you know, sours on the whole thing, especially because he keeps seeing... Uh, you know, the fact that they kind of have their own consorts, you know, their own girls who they just kind of, let's just say that they're kind of part of the human trafficking uh, ring of uh, Mark's Falls. Yeah. So, and of course, they have their own girls that are kind of just almost brainwashed at this point, you know, and he's just kind of, he just can't handle that. And so he reaches out to Lita eventually, uh, you know, towards the end. But we get Lita, you know, at the beginning, we just see her you know, doing her own research and getting known, getting her name out there. Um, and also seeing people trying to screw with her, you know? Mm. And so we get that going forward. But so anyways, yes, I wanted to cast someone who I love and I think would knock this out of the park. And so that is Natalie Emmanuel. And that is, uh, you might know her as Miss Sandy in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yes, uh, she was also in Scorch Trials. Uh, she also did a voice in the Dark Crystal prequel TV series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you know, she, you know her as the uh, the right hand woman of Khaleesi, Daenerys, the mother of dragons. You know, yep. and we see her able to hold her poise very well. Uh, she. We see a very fiery side of her in the show, very emotional, you know, um, very vulnerable. But I, I, I think there's a lot of talent there that uh, would be unlocked with this show and this role, you know, because she's going to be getting in a lot of stuff. She's going to be very driven. She's going to be uh, mixing it up with a lot of different kinds of people going forward uh, as she meets Dodger and gets into the crime role herself. Right, uh, it's going to go crazy from there. So I, I think she would be able to do a really good job. Not to mention, I think the chemistry between her and Dodger 
would be really good. And I'm not saying there's going to be any romance or not <laughs> there. But but maybe. But yeah, so Lita Handel will be uh, casted by uh, Natalie Emmanuel. And uh, yeah, she's going to be the journalist trying to just stir shit up in the crown world of Mark Swalls. I like that a lot, um, especially in today's world. I mean, thank God for a blogger who just cares about the truth. <laughs> that's very important in the show, I imagine. And that's that's cool. I like that a lot. Um, I like the way that she would kind of come into contact with, with Dodger um that's a very kind of that's a really well-developed kind of organic connection that would be really interesting in this this season um yeah i really like natalie uh she's also great in the last two fast and furious movies she plays a small role in those um, that's forgot about that but yeah outside of those that you mentioned she hasn't been in a, in a ton so this would be fun to see because she's a really talented actress i really love her as misandi um and so very very interesting role I like that this is really shaping up to just be about like it really I mean it's both sides because while you're really developing a lot of like these crime characters I imagine you know Grizzly is going to be a big part of this and seeing him oh, with his family so and yeah that's 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 intriguing so playing both sides of it is really smart and um Lita being just right smack in the middle of it all is really cool I like that a lot she's again just really pursuing the truth and she cares about um, kind of un unveiling all this 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 crime and all this stuff that's going on and uh, setting her up with with Dodger is a is a smart move. So, really Thank like this cast. Um, so I'm I'm just going to kind of just kind of spitball what I was thinking for the ending. I really didn't come up with it like anything concrete, but I was thinking eventually like you get Gates. Gates is like bam in the monarchs like yeah. towards the end of the season he is getting in there and he's set i think and uh we kind of see um him actually finally meet i think saul like the last scene we see him in you know and that you know that leads us to seeing saul in season two like right at the beginning right. and we'll go from there so that that's kind of the gate story um and then we get dodger breaking away from the brotherhood and really pissing them off um in the you know in that so we kind of get that animosity going forward towards the rest of the seasons um right. that's that riff of dodger and really we, we see that dodger just is like he doesn't really want to do any crime anymore he's just kind of sick of it he, he's like you know I, I i he was in it for the wrong reasons he, he realized once he was with the brotherhood like wow like these people are doing inhumane shit you know he was just in it for some money to mm. you know to be comfortable yeah so he's he kind of wants to get away from it so this will be he you know lita has some contacts with some some nice people and so she introduces him to the trojans who become a big part of season two um and that's all i'm going to tell you about that but <laughs> they are some very good some some good people some much better people than we have met in the first season i'll say that okay right. <laughs> um and of course lita will be help, helping him through that and of course we got to talk about grizzly you know he's trying to find out all this info trying to catch dodger and gates who are split up and he's getting linked into both a lot of different uh, of these gangs you know he's getting in deep he's finding a lot of info and um like I said, what unfortunately what happens is 
he, he gets on the tail of Gates because, yeah. like I said, Gates has a gambling problem. And uh, so that's how Grizzly's able to find him. He's able to find uh, the bookie that Gates has, you oh. know, and he's able to shake him, you know, because um, this is going to be a little small part of the story, but Grizzly has a partner, Tony Dyer, who's this like this real uh spitball italian guy who's really cool but opinionated and he he, <laughs> he he you know he he's he runs the dry uh the drug unit whenever he's not partnered with grizzly but um he's a big sports fan and so he knows all the bookies in town so he goes through him and that's how they're able to finally find gates unfortunately right. for him gates is now a part of the monarch so they're able to uh pull some strings and I'm not really sure how they would do it, but they essentially um, blackmail, not blackmail, but they uh, frame Grizzly uh, on some shit. So Grizzly's oh, essentially, yep, he's off the force. He is fired and shit. And so we, the last we see of Grizzly in season one is he is just, he's, he's off the force. His life is just, he does not know what is to do. Hmm. He's turning in his badge and he's just a shell of himself at the moment. Right. In which season two, we'll see what he does after that. Um, but yes, so that's essentially kind of what happens towards the end of the season. Uh, everyone is in a very, you know, has their paths, you know, um, going forward. You know, we have Bryce who's just still, you know, we really don't know exactly. We don't get anything altering with him he's just still doing his thing but he's really we're really going to amp it up in season two with him and saul and uh seeing the dynamic between those two and seeing really where bryce's uh story is going to go but season one he's he's really just that that entryway for gates and we get a lot of play with him and gates and the world of the monarchs and just how um how much potential it is for Gates and and everything, and it really builds up that that um, that ability and that potential for the next season, and to see right. what happens. So, right, that's season one of Mark's Falls. Um, what would you give me for a rating, man? Bro, I want to watch this tomorrow. Like this is this is so interesting. I really love. So, have you seen the movie Widows? I have not. Really, really good movie. Like I mentioned, it's for uh, you know Brian Tyler, Tyree Henry plays a great role in that. Um, very interesting. Like, this is giving me a lot of vibes of that because so that movie. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces in that, and you follow so many different characters, but it does it so well. And I think this is the same thing. Like, I love how like anyone watching this, you ask ten people, they would pro- all have a different answer of like who their favorite character is and what their favorite storyline is because there's so much going on. But it doesn't feel like busy or crowded. Like I just like that, you know, you get the kind of introduction of Dodger and Gates, and that's immediate an immediate connection you have, and then immediately separating them is very intriguing to me. I like that a lot. And then I kind of, do it. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine that would be really sad just right out of the gate. Um that's really cool. Um and then like right, Grizzly right, you mean? What's up? Right out of the gates. But um, tss. <laughs> um, and Grizzly too. Like that's that's intriguing, especially that's my favorite thing you you like talked about was the end of them blackmailing or framing him. Like, that's so cool. I like that a lot because that leaves him at the end of season one. Like 
you have no idea where this character could go now because he's probably he's now he has nothing to lose. Like he he really just he doesn't know what to do now. I mean, I like that a lot. That's really cool. Um, could he? You know, I I know this is just season one. Could he maybe come into contact with like Dodger at some point? Because that seems like they're both kind of heading towards the, on the same trajectory. That's interesting. So, um, just, I just want to say, everybody. So, I've I've had the story idea for a couple of years. So that might be why it sounds so polished. So I'm cheating just a little. <laughs> um, but I've always had this idea that uh, Wince Grizzly would get framed. Um, it's funny because the monarchs are the one who does it, right? But Saul offers him a job to to okay. run his private security. Interesting. So we get that happening because yeah. for all for all Grizzly knows, Saul Perata and the Perata Industries is is great. You know, he has nothing wrong with him. He's met Saul a couple times throughout, you know, his career. So right. it's going to happen, I think. That's so it interesting. Really, the way you don't think is going to go. So you get actually you get Grizzly in the heart of the beast in Peralta meeting Bryce, meeting Gates, meeting uh, Saul, and and going from there. I like that a lot. That's very intriguing. Um, just really, really polished storylines. I'm very impressed. Um, and I really love that he, his name is Saul Peralta because I'm a big Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan. Which <laughs> is so funny because I came up with this character before I even knew that show existed. Right. So I, I love that. I, I, you know, I've always liked that name. And so, like, we're, I remember when I first saw Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I was like, I love that name, Jake Peralta. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, but, yeah, okay. So that's Mars Falls. I, I, I'm so happy that you like it. Um, but let's let's go ahead and jump to yours because I, I really want to see kind of what happens at the end of your season. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I have one more pick. Uh, first of all, I don't think I've ever said this, but the show will be called Compliance. Um this is really because that's really kind of the heart of this first season. It's about this corporation who is just like you can tell. I mean, they're just trying to control people. They're, I mean, the public eye, they're so well liked, but they're doing these things and experimenting on these people and all this to control. That's what they care about is control. So the show's called Compliance. Um, and yeah, for this last pick, I'm obviously going with um, Agent Seth Waters. Uh, this is Amanda's partner who has been, you know, this is interesting. We don't see a lot of him in this season because he's been missing for a lot of the time. But when we see him, things really start to come into light and things start to make sense. Um, we understand why he was missing, where he's been. Um, so Seth Waters is going to be played by Walton Goggins. Um, Walton Goggins, of course, known for uh, the show Justified. Um, he is he plays uh, I personally think just a really fun antagonist in Ant-Man and the Wasp kind of a secondary antagonist um, he is just like he's a really interesting actor he's also great in The Hateful Eight the Tarantino movie um, I just I like this guy a lot he's got a very very just interesting personality to him he has a bit of intensity but he's also really charismatic and he can kind of switch that on a dime um and so I feel like he would be a good call for this because, again, we don't see this character a lot. We see, you know, in the initial kind of opening of the show, we hear the voicemail and we hear him kind of telling Amanda, I've found something big. This could change a lot. You need to come help. And then he goes missing. And so the whole he really is just the big question mark of this season for most of the season. Um, 
So, you know, towards the, the end of the season, the last maybe four episodes or so, at this point, uh, you know, Amanda, Marcus, and Rachel have really kind of gelled and formed this great uh, rapport between each other, and they're kind of just solving cases left and right, and really getting into the heart of, like, what's going on at, at Verve Tech. Um, and, uh, you know, we're not seeing a lot of Dr. Norman Verve, but Dr. Kent is on their tails, um, especially coming after Rachel. She feels personally offended that Rachel has kind of turned double agent and, and uh, turned against her. And so in these last four episodes, um, you know, the last two or yeah, the last two are going to take place over the same night. They're going to finally get back into the building. So, you know, they're, they finally get back into this building. Uh, they've had a lot of you know skirmishes and, and and fights with with security, but they're back inside, and it, it's a, especially big for Marcus. This is the first time he's been back inside since he escaped, and so he's having a lot of these really crazy flashbacks. And um, you know, at this point, like I said, not a lot was revealed about his past. Um, basically, he was living in in downtown LA before this happened, um, really down on his luck and just trying to find a job. And at one point, he um, was recruited by uh, this mysterious man. He didn't know him. He just told him he needed him to uh, run security for um, for Vervtech. And so, you know, he he says, okay, that's 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 fine as long as it pays because that's really that's what I need right now. And so he he is running security. He's not given a lot of details, but he doesn't really mind because again, he doesn't have a lot of options. Um, and so as he's running security. Obviously, we know what happens. They they don't need security. They take him as a bit of a, a guinea pig for their experiment. And um, before that, he doesn't really have any uh, family or any connections. And so he's kind of the perfect candidate for this because um, no one they feel like no one will notice he's gone or miss him. Um, and so towards the end of this show, that's kind of been revealed. And I mean, he all the more he has all the more reason to want to get back at this company. They kind of stole his life from him, um, and so he he um, he and Amanda and and Rachel end up inside the building at the, the last two episodes. They're kind of going through, you know, fighting off security, um, fighting off. I think what would be really fun visually, a lot of these experiments gone wrong. Um, you could see a lot of people like Marcus, who are conductors of electricity, you know, him facing off with them and uh i think just visually it would be a treat to see all of that um and then you know the 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 finale is just them they finally come across uh dr lisa kent and um you know she's been kind of on their tail the entire time and we get this you get this great scene of connie nielsen just chewing the scenery of just yelling at them and like you don't understand what we're doing here um you know we are we are so much more powerful than you do you understand what you're getting in the way of uh and um Amanda's just had it like she is just like you know yap 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 where's my partner uh and lo and behold all of a sudden as Lisa has been talking to her she's really just been distracting her because behind her comes Agent Waters she tackles Amanda and cuffs her holds her at gunpoint and she's like what is going on and she she doesn't know where he's been Something is clearly wrong with Agent Waters. He's not all there. Uh, Dr. Kent just tells him, put her in the holding cell. And he doesn't even speak. He just kind of takes her away. And at, th at this point, Marcus and Rachel are away fighting off security. Um, and so it's clear that Waters has been a bit brainwashed. So 
you know, we get a scene with her, uh, Amanda and Waters, and he's taking her to the cell, and she's trying to talk to him. She's like, what is going on? With you? you know, Seth, are you there? And he's just not responding. I'm picturing something like, you know, um, as crazy as it is, something like PETA in, like, the last two Hunger Games movies. Like, he is just, you can tell he's not there anymore. This is just right. a machine at this point. Um and so he, he, he locks her up and, and goes away. And eventually Marcus and Rachel find her and break her out. Um, as they're trying to get you know, back to, uh, back to the, the, the place they were, they're trying to basically this, this entire finale is that, about them trying to find intel and get it out so they can leak it. They want to leak it to the public and so that the public is aware of what's going on inside this, this, uh, this lab. And so they're getting back to where they were. Uh, they come into conflict again with with Waters. Um, at this point, Norman and and Lisa are getting away on a helicopter. Um, so that's the last we see of the two of them. So they're definitely still going to be big players in season two. Um, so they get away with with all of their information. They essentially burn the lab down. So the the lab is is kind of on fire as as our three come into contact with with Waters again. And again, Amanda is still just pleading with him, like, Seth, I know you're in there. Because again, remember this, you know, this is her only solid, this is her only, like, family. You know, she she doesn't have any other friends, and this is her partner. She's worked with him for 10 years. They have such a great relationship, so she's just pleading with him to come back to her, and he's not hearing it. You know, they're all fighting. It's a crazy, crazy, you know, ending fight. And then as Rachel is trying to escape, um, she's running away and, you know, gets caught like you know the building is on fire and gets caught inside a room so marcus this is i think would be one of the coolest kind of visually arresting scenes in the show because of marcus's abilities he is kind of you know he he still doesn't know the extent of them but he's essentially indestructible in this finale like he he he's not damaged by anything and so you know he, you see her kind of panicking and she's you think she's about to die and then he just plows through the door straight through the fire and like picks her up and they run out so that's kind of the last we see of them this season um so the final kind of confrontation is between amanda and and waters um you know they they're, they're fighting for a while and the building is just coming apart so she has to leave you know marcus is telling her we have to go and uh so essentially we leave things off with waters again is just this like machine um we don't know what's happened to him yet we know that he probably was experimented on as well by these these um, these people, um, but as they're leaving, Amanda finds a file with his name on it. So she grabs it before everything is burnt down. They head out. They they you know they they run out of the building before it explodes. We don't know. I mean, I'll just spoil it and say we do know Waters will be around in season two, but they don't know if Waters made it out or not, and she's obviously very distraught. Um, so we essentially leave things off with, uh, they now know the extent of what's, you know, these people are, are controlling just essentially all the crime going on in this city. Um, they, they are organizing and setting up, um, all these major crimes that are going on. They have throughout the season been, uh, our three have been solving cases that just link back to them. And so, you know, while not, not a lot is like revealed right away. Essentially, we leave off this season with our two sides. We've got um, Amanda, Marcus, and Rachel. They are hellbent on just discovering more about um, Verbtech and really just exposing them. They want the public to know 
you can't trust these people. They are trying to control you. Um, because essentially they're trying to turn the public into what they've been trying to turn Marcus into and what they have successfully turned Waters into. Essentially an army. I mean, they, they have created these people who are, uh, once again, very compliant and, and just all orders above anything. And so the series ends off with that. Um, we get a scene, you know, at a different location with, with Verve and, and, um, and Kent, and uh, they decide to start building from the ground up. They had to burn down that lab. And so they, you know, we get a cutaway. This is like the final scene. They're walking down a hallway and, and turn and, and, and um, Dr. Kent is, you know, she asks, what now? And, and Verve just looks at her and he, he looks through this glass panel that we don't see what's on the other side yet. And he just says, now we build. And, and it cuts around and it's just this entire room full of people just like Waters. They're all just standing in formation. I mean, not even there's their eyes. There's nothing there. They're just machines at this point. And uh, yeah, he says, "Now we build." And they all look at him at once. It's kind of this this fluid motion. They all just kind of look at him and salute. And then the show just ends right there. Oh man, that that is a very great way to end the show. Uh, you know, a season. Oh man, I I gotta say, uh, loved where you went with that. Uh, that is a great way to you know set the scene for the second season, you know, and still have a very satisfying uh, first season. You know, you introduced them, you, you got everyone intrigued. Uh, you know, a mystery is always a great way to go with the, with season one, you know, because you're, you're just trying to find an answer out and it's a great way to get everyone hooked. And, you know, then for us to find out the answer towards the end and then also not only that answer, but the answer of where her partner was the whole time, and we know and that you know it's almost like two birds with one stone he's there he's a part of the plan he, he's brainwashed uh, you know he's a part of this superhuman brainwashed army right. um and i really like that and as soon as you said walton groggins i was like oh he's bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I like that you didn't go exactly bad he's brainwashed you know right. Um, question is is he going to be able to show any sort of personality or are these people brainwashed they're just like empty shells right so essentially yeah that's that's the goal for vertex they don't want to they don't want any personality left they just want machines i think with waters i mean to just go into obviously we're going to have a sequel draft where we talk about where these shows are going to go but i think in season two that's going to be a big source of like conflict, and that'll be a big storyline. He's going to start to fight against his programming because you know when Amanda and him face off, that's his link to humanity. I mean, she—I don't know if there's like a romance there. I really just think it's just a solid partnership. And so she, she tries to bring him back. That doesn't work. But you can tell. I think it'll it would be a lot of really fun physical acting from Walton because you can see in his eyes maybe something flickers for like a moment, and he realizes what's going on but he it's very strong programming and so he knows like i can't go against this and so he that's going to be the source of conflict for season two um he'll be working with burp tech still but and amanda will know this and a lot of it will be amanda wants to bring him back she thinks there's still good in him you know she's luke with vader and uh and and marcus and rachel rachel especially knowing because she worked there and marcus because he could have been Waters, you know. <laughs> they, 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 they won't hear it. They just want to essentially kill him because they know that he's dangerous and they know know that there's an army being built. Um, they'll find that out in season two, and so 
that's going to be the conflict too is Amanda thinks no I can still bring him back I he knows me I can still bring him back so he'll be the one that really starts to fight against his programming but everyone else yeah they're just an, an army of machines at this point I, I love that that plot for season two you know the idea of can you you know unprogram gram him you know can you bring him back is there anything to bring Brett back you know do they like permanently damage these people's brains Right. You know, a right. uh, lot of questions I have. And uh, yeah, you got to bring me season two to answer them, man. Um, <laughs> but uh, real quick, guys, before we finish, we're going to take one more break. Hey, guys, and we're back. Uh, we just want to take one more break before we finished up, everybody. Um, so Kyle was telling us about the, uh, you know, the little last bit plot details of season one of compliance. Um, and, you know, kind of a little bit of what could happen in season two. So, yeah. So I was just saying, I, I think Walton Groggins would be is really great for that role because he will be doing a lot of talking with his face and, and body. He's, he's a very intense person, especially with those eyes, you know. Yeah. Um, have you seen The Righteous Gemstones? I have not, but I hear so many good things about it. So so he's in that as well as baby Billy Freeman. And he, he plays uh, he, this much older character and he's he's aged up and everything. And he's such a firecracker in the show. He's very lively. Um, so I just want to see the exact opposite of that. You know, just no talking, no, I'd say no charisma. Just right. this like anguish, this like this deadness inside. So I, I would love to see that. Um, I, is, I, hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I no, go ahead, man. He, I just want to say too, he is he's absolutely deadly too. I mean, in the very few scenes we see, he just I mean, he take. I'm essentially thinking of like a Winter Soldier type. Like he he's a, a machine built these by these people, and so he some some fights with him and Marcus would be cool. But you can tell like he is just they have done something to him because before he he could hold his own, but he was just a human being and. Now, I mean, he's just a, he's like RoboCop. Like, he just, like, is able to, uh, he's indestructible. So he's just an absolute unit. And so that would be a big part of season two as well. Just, that would be a big danger for our, our trio. Like, how do you fight against these people who can't seem to be killed? So, so uh, Seth Waters is pretty much our T-1000. Exactly. Uh, for, for season one, for season two. Yes, for sure. I, I love that. That, like, that deadly chase, because... So, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, um, Vertec, they know about them. They know they're, they're a threat. So they're going to be definitely actively trying to snuff them out. Yes. So that'll definitely be a big part of season two. But also, they have this rather big army already at their disposal. Are they, like, pretty much almost there willing to, like, pump them out? So are there, is there a plan to have their own army? Are they selling these people to the highest bidder? Is that something that will be explored in season two? Yeah, so season two will be a lot of like them putting the finishing touches. While that that ending shot is, you see them all kind of salute. It's not quite finished yet. So so Seth is like their golden boy because he's the first like successful experiment of this this new army they're trying to make. And so they're still trying to fine tune you know this army. But yeah, essentially they're going to start rolling out and. A lot of season two will be them like advertising to the public, you know, buy your own. I, I don't know what the name would be, but buy your own human security system. And, and again, 
what the the conflict will be is like the public again is just they're all for it, they're sheep, and so they uh, a big part will be the three uh, will be trying to expose them and get to the public and say like this is not safe, like these people will kill you in your houses, and so um, a lot of it will be them fine tuning this this army, and, and and season two would also go kind of delve into the backstory of of how they got to this science in the first place and like maybe seeing some flashbacks of Marcus and how they got him and and their process and finding people to experiment on. Yes, because I was I was going to say with Marcus, I'm very intrigued by his story and and going forward and, and also like the the uh, the opposingness of him in waters, you know, like so did the uh it didn't take the brainwashing for him. It didn't take all the way, right? It erased his memories and, and what have you, but he still was the same person, like, you know, as far as like his values almost, I would say. Yeah, yeah he doesn't have a lot of memory for most of the season, but he still has a personality. He still has a conscience. And so a lot of that has to do with the fact that Amanda found him when she did. So he, they were still pretty new to experimenting on him. Whereas, you know, when we, when they start the show, uh, Waters has been missing for a minute, and throughout the season, even though we don't see him for a lot of it, he has been experimented on for like the entire season. And so Dang. when you see him finally, yeah, he's just a fully formed like like you said, he's a T one thousand. He's just an absolute machine. Okay, I wanted to, to point that out because I wasn't sure if like you were saying maybe Marcus there was something that he did differently. You know, maybe there was something with his brain that wasn't they weren't able to brainwash him. You know, I, I was just making sure, but it, it was right. just all about the timing. You, you know, just uh, Amanda was there at the right time. So right. that does not bode well for anyone else <laughs> getting brainwashed. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, I definitely wanted to say I, I think Brian Tyree Henry is my favorite pick just because of what he brings to that role. And I, I think, I mean, I think he could be the the main actor along with, you know, Phoebe Waller and Nassim. Um, he could really just be that person to, to drive the, the popularity of the show, I feel like, along with, of course, Phoebe, who's, yeah. you know, amazing and everyone will watch what she does. But I think he will really bring such a great emotional uh, level to it and everything that his character will do, I think Marcus will be a very compelling character. Um, yeah. And I, I just want to see what happens to him. I, you know, I, I love the, you know, it's a bit of an old trope, you know, people, they have no idea what they're doing. I, I immediately thought of a blind spot, you know, the mm. NBC drama where the girl wakes up in a big old duffel bag and she has no memory of who she is. She just has right. a bunch of tattoos on her. Yeah. I was getting that vibe. And I, and I just love to see the different stories and where they lead with it. And I, I love this one. You know, he's he's taking a very direct approach against the people that did this to him. And uh, I love that kind of vengeance, that justice. Right. Um, I, I love your show, man. I really wish we could get these done. You know, right. I wish I could type this into like a, a simulator, live simulator, and then it just be made, you know, <laughs> I can just watch it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Any any closing thoughts on either of our uh, shows? I um yeah, just again, I really love how like fully just fleshed out your world is. Like Marks Falls feels like a, I mean, you can tell even before you said so, you can tell you've been working on this for for a, a couple of years. I mean, it's just it's so well polished. Um, I think that I like that you have it in the future, but it gives a lot of like 
old kind of like 40s crime vibes too you know with these gangs and and you have like you said like the fashion too like them these really like well-dressed kind of like gangs i i just like that vibe a lot we don't really get to see that a lot in shows anymore i mean perry mason is out right now which i really like but like there's not a lot of that kind of period piece which is interesting because this wouldn't be this is in the future but we we get that vibe i think and that's that's really intriguing to me and um i, I mean i love damon lindelof i don't think he he he's has he's had some misses but his his wins certainly make up for it so i think this would be a really really cool show thank you thank you um yeah, I, I think we both picked really good showrunners. Yours with your double team, really, because Phoebe is going to be helping a lot, I, I think, uh, sure. with that. So and I think that's really the key to your show is going to be that script. That script is going to be just wonderful. Um, yeah. Very, very sharp dialogue that you probably wouldn't assume with, with this kind of sci-fi show. But right. I think it's going to be really tight, man. Um, I'd love it. So... Um, and I mean, like I said, I, I think my favorite picks the Brian Tyree Henry pick. Uh, I, I love both of these, man. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that shores it up, man. I, I, do we need to cast anyone else? Do we get? Let's cast a couple more people, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I could. I could go on that, man. I, I know this. This was really fun. This is definitely one of my favorites we've done so far because I mean, and the sci-fi genre is so interesting, and there's so many different directions you can go with it. Um, so yeah, this is, and especially blending it with crime just seems like not such a natural thing to do. So I just, I love that. Um, but uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, we do have, you know, we're able to tell you kind of, this is our first episode of August. We have our August schedule laid out. Um, so, uh, so next week we are going to be coming back with uh, essentially the, our essential uh, school movies. So these are the movies that take place either at a school they're about a school i mean that's the setting for the movie we're gonna be pretty broad with that um and we'll be joined uh by a returning guest olivia grace smith we're really excited to have her back loved having her for the hogwarts rehousing draft um and then the week after that we'll be back with i believe it's the is that the guardians draft damon um i told you i didn't have my list on me um <laughs> i think that's but, but no, no, I think I can pull it up. Hold on. Um, I don't think it's that. That one's next. So after that, we have the, yes, actually, that is indeed the Guardians of the Galaxy. We're doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3 soundtrack draft. Uh, so I'm super excited about that one. So excited. We're having one of our really favorite people that uh, is the, the essentially the creator of our Facebook group that we all, that we met from, Mary Lee. Uh, that's how you say it, right? I don't want to mess it, it up. Yes. Walker. Yeah. Yes. But we're essentially, we're going to all be picking five different songs to throw all together to create the ultimate Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 soundtrack. Oh, you yeah. know? And then I'm just going to send it to uh, to our friend James Gunn and see what he does. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what do we have next? So uh, after that, we'll be back with... Um, we'll be back let me pull it up sorry we'll be back with i believe that would be the one with waheed um damon damon had uh we heat on for uh their quidditch draft that was such such fun to listen to um and so we'll be back after that with basically the ultimate dining experience um 
This one's gonna be a lot of fun. Dining yes, yes, ultimate American dining experience. So, Damon, you go ahead and describe this one because this, guys, this was Damon's idea. I really love this idea. So, so like, I mean, I wanted this to be like to show you for anyone who doesn't live in America, just to show you what kind of dining experiences we we have. You know, anything from the buffet to loaded fries to uh, you know the the crazy themes we have. You know, like weird rims on the on the wall to like just tons of sports memorabilia we just want to be able to pick and choose what we like and build our own little restaurant experience and right. see you know, who comes up with the craziest and the most american you know <laughs> and by that i mean we we love pizza we love tacos we love it all we when we call it american for no good reason so <laughs> we, we just want to be able to uh to you know americanize it uh our track exactly. as much as we can uh so right. that's going to be a real fun one with Rahid. yeah and then to close us out uh for the final draft of the month really excited about this one we are coming back just damon and just damon and myself with um the uh superman movie fan cast um so we will be essentially just building our own our own superman movie um casting a specific amount of characters like just like with this one it'll be tough to know when to stop with the characters but um with this one we're keeping it pretty open so i we talked and we're basically superman is the only required character other than that we can we have our pick of the litter of the dc universe um and then we're going to be casting, kind of building a plot, you know, similar to our Fantastic Four and our X-Men cast. Um, but I'm very excited for that one. I'm a huge Superman fan. So, yeah, and that'll, that'll close us out for August. But um, we're super excited. We can't wait for you guys to hear these. It's been so fun to plan them out. And, uh, man, this, this one was so fun. I want to watch both these shows today. <laughs> Well, let's make them happen. You know, uh, if anyone knows any screenwriters or, you know, people in Hollywood, send them this. Yeah, hit uh, us up. <laughs> and it's ready. It, these shows are, you know, we just need to write up the pilot script and we're good to go. Exactly. Um, but as always, everyone, if you have any questions, uh, questions, constant, you know, uh, criticisms, ideas for future episodes, if you want to be a guest and you want to, you know, have a really good, uh, you know, gra grasp on your idea you know, hit us up. We, you know, we're not going to turn anyone away, um, but hit us up on planet fantasy podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we're still working on getting all of our other sites and um, social media accounts set up. You know, we're slowly building this up uh, and we just want to, you know, have something fun for everybody to listen to. So right. any last words, Kyle? Just thanks for listening guys. Can't wait to be back next week. All right. We'll be back next week with Olivia. And until then, guys.